Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Afternoons with Staffy here on SENZ at five past midday. Uh, you probably picked up that I'm not Staffy. Ricardo in for Staff today because he was a busy man over the weekend calling the netball. And uh, we might even chat to him a little bit later on in the show and get his take on what we saw from the Silver Ferns uh, with the world champs not too far away. Uh, great uh, result in the Constellation Cup. And two different teams that Nolene, uh, Dame Nolene told her had selected for this. I was a, a, a bit unsure when I heard that news, but it seems to have worked pretty well. Uh, so Staff's going to join us a little bit later on the show. We'll get his take on on the netball. Also coming up on the show, uh, coming up in November, Crank's work Rotorua is uh, going to be happening in our, in our own uh, patch of the world. And uh, we are joined by one of the world's uh, top competitors in downhill mountain bikes. She's also a five-time BMX world champ as well. Been at uh, two Olympics. Uh, she's an Aussie and she knows how to go downhill real fast. Uh, was also the first woman ever to do a front flip on a uh, mountain bike as well. Her name's Caro Buchanan. She's going to join us just after one o'clock. We'll also catch up with Matt Shaw. Matt Shaw is a rugby league commentator and writer for the BBC and Rugby League Live. We're going to Get a recap of the first round of matches from the Rugby League World Cup with him uh, just after one o'clock as well. Of course, the Women's Rugby World Cup is on and the Black Ferns had another good win. Their first real big test, uh, I think, against the Northern Hemisphere team since last year's uh, end-of-season tour. Uh, and they passed that with flying colours, I think, against the Welsh. Sam, by the way, is a women's rugby show host and writer, a podcaster from uh, Bristol. He is down here covering the Women's World Cup for back home. We'll talk to him about that and about England getting the job done over the French as well. That's around quarter past two. Uh, we're hoping to talk some NPC a little later on, and we'll definitely do that with you. And we're going to talk football. Hopefully, Paul Eiffel will join us at around 3.15 to talk the Phoenix draw with the Central Coast Mariners, maybe get his take too on the Danny Hayes situation with New Zealand football. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet. To the rockin'est beat of madness! Seven past midday, it is uh, time for Midday Madness. You can text us on double eight double three. That is the Temper Bedpost uh, text machine. Temper and Bedpost, like no other, their range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head up and feet up in comfort. Uh, so text us through anything that you want to check out. 
uh, or talk about. Happy to talk at all, really. There was so much sport on this weekend. You can also call us on 0800 150 811. Some of the things that you might want to talk about, we've talked Rugby League World Cup, right? The Rugby League World Cup, what did you make of the Kiwis up against Lebanon this morning? I think the Lebanese gave the Kiwis more of a test than most of us thought, but we'll see how that goes. I think they're probably the second best team in our group. Uh, they play Ireland next, which is going to be really interesting, so looking forward to that. You might want to talk the NPC semi-finals. Uh, I thought uh, that Auckland-Wellington game was going to be tight, but no, Auckland just didn't turn up. Wellington blew them away and are deservedly finalists. Can they get over their Canterbury hoodoo? Uh, well, that'll be the question. We can talk about that as well. Great weekend in the Heartland Championship. I've got to say a special shout-out to uh, the guys from Natipuro East Coast. Remember last year, about halfway through last season, this was a team that had a record losing streak in New Zealand rugby. I think it was 54 games. They had lost back to back to back. They not only got over that hump and won a couple of games at the end of last season, they've now improved so much that they are hosting the Lahore Cup final. That is a massive turnaround from uh, them and everyone involved uh, deserves a, a very much a, a congratulatory slap on the back for that. So you might want to talk some Heartland rugby as well. Of course, we had boxing on, so many fights. We saw Deontay Wilder return to the ring for the first time in a long time. And I thought Robert Hellenius was going to give him a really good challenge. Another big man with a lot of reach. Uh, but he just walked him onto a right hand in the first round, and bang, she was all over. See you later. We also saw Caleb Plant back in action after his loss last time out to Canelo Alvarez. He uh, was a, had a great win with a big left hook. And then we saw our Kiwi boys in action too over in Aussie on the undercard of Cambosis Haney too. And David Nika really impressed me. Uh, Hemi Ahio, not so much, but we'll talk about that if you like as well, and what we did and did not see from Hemi Ahio and how big a future does David David Nika have, do you think, it continues his unbeaten run. The Phoenix were in action, uh, probably should have beaten the Central Coast, didn't, they got a draw, had to come from behind in the end, they will be disappointed, we'll talk about that, uh, of course, from the Premier League this morning, Liverpool um, getting up and beating Manchester City by a goal to nil as well, something of an upset, tell you what, Manchester City... They want to chase Arsenal down and win the Premier League. They can't be dropping points to mid-table sides like Liverpool. Uh, so that might be something that you want to talk about. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is our number. Or double eight double three the temper bed post text machine. Uh, joining us first is uh, Dean from Dunedin. G'day, Dean. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. But mid-table Liverpool, wash your mouth here. Come on. Well, mate, well, I mean, be... they, they were 11th before kickoff. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't, I, I, they're my teammate, but I don't know anything about the APL. You've got to have someone in it, EPL, whatever they call it. But for me, I want to, I want to give a big shout out to the Wellington All Blacks that have been sort of looked past, and probably rightly so too, to be fair. Apart from Armoa, but the fact that they've come back for Wellington, and it really means something. Like I watched that Auckland game with interest. That was for me. That was the hard pick for the weekend, and. It wasn't the scoreline. It was the for me. It was the way they achieved that scoreline. Now, Canterbury, just we all know, it's just Canterbury. So that can be a mental block for a lot of teams. But if Wellington can produce, I'd say half that performance, they will run Canterbury incredibly close. If they can produce that performance, they could bloody near annihilate them. They just controlled everything. And seeing Armoa free on the wing. I do not understand why Dane Coles, Cody Taylor, 
are not in the New Zealand A side, and that boy isn't on the reserve bench for Tokiaho. Yep. I know he is, he must have had his wee demons, but someone's got on his in his camp and worked through it. And my God, we need him in France. I 100 percent agree with you. I you know I I don't think you know all respect to Dane Coles. He's 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 got great mana in the game. He has a lot of um, experience. He knows he's got leadership. He's got that mongrel that you sometimes need as well. But come the World Cup, he's going to be 37. And I don't know that you can rely on his calves at 37 to get through, you know, any footy at that at that level. I'm Ricardo. Mana doesn't win rugby. Armoa, right now, coming off the bench after Pakeaho's done his magnificent job that he's been doing since they gave him a chance, I, we all talk about Lamapi and what he had, and I wasn't a real fan because he was hot and cold, much like um, Akira Iwani. But uh, Moa now, every week, I've watched him for, since they played Hawks Bay in the Shield Challenge, and for me, I thought that was the battle of the next all-black hooker under Pakiaho with the boy Thompson. I really rate him as well from Hawks Bay. But he, he played better that day, and actually played the whole game. Like he did, they didn't take him off. And I don't think you'll see in this game in the weekend, I don't think TJ will leave the field, I don't think Julian will leave the field, and I don't think Amal will leave the field. And they'll try and reproduce. And they got confidence. Like, that, that, was, that was emphatic in the weekend against Auckland. Like, they just played. It was... I hope it's not a... It can't be a week too early, because I've been doing it for a while now, and they just look so good. Like, it was good to watch. Like, yeah, it was, it was great, great to watch. Great. You know, and the other yeah, thing too that Dean, which I think gives people who are neutrals in this hope that it's going to be a tight final, or Wellington fans hope that they're going to win it, uh, is the way that Bay of Plenty, particularly in the first half, dominated Canterbury at set piece. And you watch that, and I thought, well, if Wellington can do what they did against Auckland, Canterbury maybe that that uh, the forwards, the way their forwards are operating at the moment, isn't quite there. Well, totally. But I mean, uh, yeah, you, uh, no one that knows anything about the game would, would write Canterbury off. They've been there, done that so often. Mm. But you've got to take your hat off to Matt Todd and the coaching group that he's got. That He's not racing all-black reserves back in. They just keep building and building and building. And for the province to have three titles up for grabs and they're in the final of all of them, like I, I, you just got to you got to admire it. You can't be critical of it. You've got to admire it. And if you can't learn from it, you're, you're just chasing your tail. Yeah. But I just thought I'd give a, give a shout-out to Wellington because... It's been a long time, and they're, they're playing some that's bloody good rugby to watch. That's all I can say. But you've got to enjoy it. They're throwing the ball around. They're hitting hard in the tackle. They're freeing up just bullet trains out wide. Julian, he's playing better than he was when he was in the All Black. I know it's a grade down, and you can't judge like that. But on the wing, you almost can because he's doing the same thing. He's just destroying. But looking for work, for me, is the big thing. The second five... I don't even know the name of the boy, but he's doing everything right. He's in the right place. He's distributing. The fullback just looks like a we energize a battery waiting to get his hands on the ball. But they've got that much fight. If they get 50% of the ball, Ricardo, I think Canterbury could be in for a long day. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think you're right, Dean. Hey, listen, thanks very much for your call, bud. I appreciate your chat and your views on on uh, the rugby. Uh, Ed from Tolliga Bay is uh, waiting to uh, join us. Uh, g'day, Ed. How you doing? Hey, Ricardo. So this story was for Safi, but he's not here. So, bro, um, uh, Natipuro East Coast um, Heartland uh, Championship. Mm-hmm. They're in the local Cup final, bro. I know, mate. I know. How good so, is that? So, oh, that's cool. So, so the background to my story is that my dad was East Coast player uh, 212, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, so he played in 1953 Wellington uh, Ranfurly Shield Cup. Uh, Ranfurly Shield. 
anyway, and, and then I made it to the East Coast team when I was 23, and I was number 763. Well done, East mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, last year, I got caught up for the legends, uh, Pudi Hoati. Bro, you're old enough. Yeah, I'm 53. Come on down and play the legends game, bro. <laughs> down in Pakaruru Park in um, Ruatoria. Oh, yeah, man, I'm coming. So, um, so I hooked up with all the boys, and so oh, I think I was like one of the oldest in their team because old Bailey Mackey and Steve, Steve Lancaster. So, uh, this big tall park here for us, standing next to me, I was going, hey, when did you play for the taxi guys? 2021. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah, I was and he started laughing. And I was going, hey, oh, I'm Bailey Mackey's friend from New Zealand Rugby Football Union. He just told me to bring my boots. I was going, well, who did you play for, Cuz? He goes, the Crusaders. I said, what? Wow. And I took his hand. I was going, dude, my son. Anyway, so um, they're in the Lakoka final, Cuz. Mate, I know. What are we well, how, how good you is know. that? How good is that turnaround, eh? From that, I mentioned it so, earlier. Fifty-four losses in a row, uh, and what? Bro, you know, the next season they're hosting the Lahore Cup final. That's massive. Um, because when I went down there playing the Legends game, uh, Jose was there, and and he had his first win against Poverty Bay. And you know, we don't even do that. And then, but hey, guess what? The Legends beat Poverty Bay. We thrashed them, and I scored a try. Well, nice. How, how, how long? How far out were you? You know, thirty yards. Beat five men. Dive in the corner. Um, halfway. 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 Nice. Well, no, well, no. It's pretty cheeky because old Werner Bartlett, he's a young fella. He's half back. He made he made the break. He was getting a runaway try. Well, I just backed him up. Well, I started sprinting from the halfway halfway line. And it took me 10 seconds to get them. Well, he turned around because there was nobody chasing from Poverty Bay. And he passed me the ball and I got to try out of the face, bro. And all my mates in Auckland were going, oh, come on, man. I said, oh, bro, that's in the history book. Let's try under the post. And I got the conversion. Oh, how good. How good, mate. It's a dream come true. Maybe, Ed, you need to go this weekend to make sure they win it because you seem like you might be a lucky talisman. Sorry. I've been drinking so much, and my wallet is pretty empty because I've been, <laughs> these fellas have been winning all these games, brother. My liver is just, oh, I don't know if it can take any more coffee. <laughs> but, bro, when you get on the coast, you won't be drinking for one night. It'll be like two or three days. Well, you've got to stay hydrated, right? That's what I understand, Ed. That's how I and understand exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> um, like when we played the Legends game, when Jose and his boys went on the field, bro, we just kept on rehydrating after the owl game. And we didn't even watch them play. <laughs> Bailey Mackey, we ran out of beer. And we go, Bailey, we ran out of beer. And they said, Bailey Mackey's got three boxes in his truck. So we went and got those out and we drank those too. <laughs> he, was, he went to the parade. Oh, never mind, Bailey. We'll enjoy these. So I was drinking with all the Poverty Bay legends, Uawa Nasty legends. Um, this is all the boys from um, my East Coast whanau, Natipuro. Oh, it was an awesome, awesome day. Awesome day. And now, another big day's coming up, man. Another big day's coming up, Ed. Well, look, all the best to oh, you and your Nati Pro East Coast team Rick, this weekend. Ricardo, before yeah, I leave you. Yeah, bro. Bro, I played one season for East Coast. Yep. I played 10 games. Bro, I was player of the year. Mate, what happened? Why did you only play one season? Because um, I like my little beersies after the games, and then um, I got selected for the seven. In 1994, Telecom 7s, and we went down there. Bro, did you know they have a beer tent outside of your uh, hotel room? 
It's a seven. How good. And they give you beer tickets. And so I said to the boys, hey, this is the first day. Are you fellas coming out for a beer? No. Well, give me your beer tickets. So, bro, I went down to that beer tent, and I just got all the free beer, and I hooked up with all these boys from North Otago, and uh, we went out that night, and we partied all night. But this is a Saturday, so we still got to play Sunday. And then um, got home at 5 o'clock in the morning, got back to my room, and my roommate, all his cousins from the East Coast had come in. And they were sleeping in the beds, and they, uh, I had to sleep on the floor. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Nah, but anyway, the next day, oh, I went to breakfast. Eric Rush is sitting over there with North Harbour and having a feed, and he, he looks up and he goes, Eric, I go, yeah, are you fit? I was going, no, I'm a bit hungover, bro. Anyway, we go to play um, Mid-Canterbury. This is, bro, Mid-Canterbury. We go to play them for our next game, and... um. So I stretch out and warm up, and then my roommate says, Peter, he's case that I went out and I came home at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's how I got kicked out. Mate, it sounds, like, it sounds like an epic, epic tale. Ed, thanks very much for your call, bud. Go well, and uh, hopefully your East Coast team get up this weekend. This is Afternoons with Staffy here on SENZ. It is 20 past midday. Keep your calls coming in. 0800-150-811, No staff uh, today. He will be back in the hot seat tomorrow. It is uh, 12.26, Ricardo Ball with you, and keep your texts coming through. Double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine, or you can call us on 0800-150-811. Now, Dean called through earlier, and when I talked about Dane Coles, I talked about a few of the things that Dane Coles does have going for him, and one of those I mentioned was mana, and I think he does have a lot of that. Uh, he he kind of wrote that off, Dean, but uh, I've had this text come in through from Brett that says, Mana doesn't win games, Dean? Question mark. When you think of Mana, Ricardo, you think of Buck Shelford, correct? I think he went all right as skipper at the highest level. Yeah, don't disagree with that. Don't disagree with that at all. Thank you uh, for your text, uh, Brett. You can keep those coming through on double eight double three. Jade, yeah, fair, fair play. Now, Jade texted me last week, Sam. And we were talking about the rugby, and I uh, suggested that he was having a laugh because he was he was going to put his, the bet that he won off us when I was doing Smithy's show on the Lions to win 13-plus against Auckland. I said, mate, you're mm. just throwing it away. What oh. are you doing? What are you doing? And, uh, yeah, Jade's laughing now. Um, did you think it was going to be closer, or did you think that Auckland were going to get the job done? Well, yeah, I thought... I thought, uh, and away in Wellington is always going to be tough, but I thought it would be a heck of a lot closer than that, but Auckland just didn't turn up. But, uh, That's okay, because uh, I was probably the biggest preacher of uh, Samoa beating England in Game 1 of the Rugby League World Cup, so mm-hmm. I've got eagle all over my face. We, we've got a text about that, actually. Do we? We yeah. don't need to read that out. Yeah, um, uh, oh, Mikey, Mikey G. If Sam is working today, can you ask his opinion for what happened in the Samoa versus England game? Uh, listening to punters last week, no one gave the Poms a chance. Nah. But the result was nothing short of a smackdown. Yep, and I, I'm i still sort of speechless, you know, 24 hours mm. on because, um, you know, the England side on paper was not a very strong team at all. They had, I think, three or four NRL guys, um, you know, and I guess they got guys like George Williams who has played in the NRL before, but Samoa were just dismal and they just gave up. They really just gave up with 20 minutes to go. I mean, it could have been like a 30 to 6 scoreline. It was 60 because they gave up at the end. I was I was just shocked. And two storylines come out of it for me. Firstly, I don't know if Samoa can turn that around. Like if they had lost, say, 20 points to 
18 or something, you'd think, okay, well, they'll just they'll get their act together for the next game and the next game and the next mm. game. But to go down by basically 60 points, I don't know how you recover from that in a World Cup. And then conversely, England, you'd probably say of, of the big names, big name teams so far, they're probably the most impressive. The yep. Kangaroos weren't that impressive. We were pretty scratchy this morning. Um, yeah, so just blown away, speechless. I don't know what to say other than I'm sorry to everyone that I sold up the creek, <laughs> including myself. But you weren't the only one. I thought the same thing. You looked at that Samoan team on paper and you thought, wow. Ugh. So question marks have yeah. to be around Matt Parrish, don't they? I think so, yeah. the job. And someone raised a great point, um, and I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was basically around an NRL team that has, I think it was seven or eight grand finalists, can't uh, lose to 60 points from a team that hasn't played together in three years. There's only one thing that comes down to, and that's coaching, yep. which I found quite interesting. So remember the Johns brothers were, were going for that Samoa gig as well. And that's so right. there's quite a bit of noise around, you know, they should have been the ones there, not him. And yeah, I just think, Ricardo, I'd, yeah, I don't know how they're going to turn that around. They'll obviously win their other pool games because they get easy opposition, but then they'll come up against a, probably a Tonga in, in the quarters. Yeah. And be curtains. Now, well, yeah. To be although, to be fair, you probably don't have to. You know, do um, the coach doesn't have to do a lot to get them up to play Tonga. Probably, to it's be true. fair. I mean, it'd be a crack. I thought it would be a Samoa Tonga semi final, be a quarter final now, which will just be will be as cracking as a semi final would have been because um, it'll be emotional and passionate and all the rest. Yeah, but the Poms will be loving that because it might soften up <laughs> whoever, whoever wins for the semi. Oh, right? Yeah, England probably will end up making the final now. What about the and just quickly before we get to news, what about all the chat around? Um, the anthems, because there's been no singers, right? Yeah, they've just played them out over the loudspeaker. Yeah, a bit weird. But weird. Well, I don't Is know. It? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess they do that at World Cups, don't they? Football yeah, World Cups, football they just play it out. Yeah, they just. I mean, from a football point of view, quite often that's they what just, happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but it's a, a very much a rugby thing to have someone out there with a microphone. Yeah, true. You know, and those end goals, man. Yeah, how narrow are they? Eh? How well shallow oh. are they? Well, as someone said, getting a repeat set. Um, and those is actually very impressive because it's you know basically half what they have in the NRL. Um, all the texts are coming in now. Yeah, as much as Samoa bat. No, like Vaughan. By, this is what I'm saying. England were the best team over the over the last few days. Um, I thought they played brilliantly. I don't think Samoa. I mean Samoa did play very very poorly, but I think England played fantastic. I think credit to them. George yeah. Williams is a great little player. I loved him when he was at the Raiders. I yeah. thought he was great. You know, and that's the thing. He's played really well in this England setup, which says a lot about um, Sean Wayne, right? Because he had a poor Super League season, um, but mm. has turned it on for England. When yep. you know, and they're missing probably what half a dozen guys who should be there, like Johnny Lomax yep. should be there. He's probably their best prop. Yeah, um, they've got some guys out. Uh, I know that. Uh, what's his name? Oh, now, now I'm going to draw a blank. But one of the English guys, second rower, plays for. Um, Canberra was running uh, is suspended was suspended for this game, you know. But his suspension's lifted for the from the second game on. Okay. Would say so, you know they they, they were down. They were undermanned. They were undermanned. But I mean, and like Dom Young obviously was was brilliant. Um, the Newcastle Knights winger, obviously Victor Radley is Victor Radley, um, and then you've got your your whiteheads, in amongst it. So it wasn't that I thought um, that England were going to be shocking. It's just that I I wasn't expecting certainly wasn't expecting them to beat Samoa. And I didn't think that they would go deep into the tournament. I think they'd lose in the quarters or the semis. But mm. 
attitudes changed somewhat, Ricardo, yeah, to be indeed. honest? It has, mate. It has uh, massively. Now, if, if you've got something you want to contribute to that conversation about Samoa, England at the uh, Rugby League Get on League the phone, Vaughan. Give us a call, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. We'll be back with more of those after the latest in news and sport with Johnny Mack. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah! 25 away from 1 o'clock. Gull fueling your mission all year round. It is our mission to get you talking about your favourite sporting moments from the weekend right here on Midday Madness on Afternoons with Staffy. Staff will be back uh, tomorrow. Ricardo Ball in with you today. A few texts that have come through. Uh, Vaughan, uh, that England team is solid. And, uh, you know, as bad as Samoa were, that was a very good England team. Can't disagree with you on that. Uh, I had Radley, Farnworth and uh, Tu'u all to score tries, but Tu'u let me down. You know, that wouldn't have been a bad multi if it had come in. And uh, there are some rumours that Jerome Lewis said after the game, uh, can we call them daddy? Um, from Chris, which I think is uh, uh, alluding to something he might have said after the grand final, Sam. Yeah, well, he said in the build-up to the grand final that they were going to call him daddy or something like that. Yeah. So a little homage there. Um, but what about the Kiwis? Did you watch the game this morning? Yeah, Kiwis I did, game? yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it was quite scratchy. I thought that um, you know, the thing that I thought Lebanon did really, really well is their line speed was terrific. Michael Checker. You know, uh, so they gave the Kiwis no time. That's That to me is the Michael Checker, like... I think he goes into into teams like Argentina and and obviously Lebanon and says, look, get up in their face and be strong defensively, and other things will happen off the back of that. They'll yep. get frustrated. We'll make our own chances. I don't think he really focuses on the attacking side. He just focuses on defence, getting up in their face, and putting them off their game and slowing the game down as well. And they sort of did do that for a lot of the game. Um, they probably just didn't have the talent, like I just mentioned, on attack to push it back the other way. Um, I think for the Kiwis, I think what you saw today as well was probably the the how much we need Jerome Hughes. You know, a bit of direction in the back line there. I didn't think Kieran Foran had the best game, um, but I just think you put Jerome back in there. Um, unfortunately, he's injured at the moment, but I think he'll make a massive difference, um, as will Leota too, with a bit of impact off the bench. I mean, got the job done. Yep. You know, and some impressive tries, especially from Joey Manu. Guy's a freak. Joe, um, Joe, the Joey Manu show. Because that was the thing. I mean, like, as much as the Kiwis didn't win by what we thought they would win by, it did feel like they had another gear or two to go to if they'd needed it. Yeah, and I think we all knew Lebanon was sort of going to tire it. What they, did, what they didn't do, which is what Samoa did, was they didn't give up with 20 minutes to go. They sort of still pushed the game right to the end, which... Um, I guess credit to them. For the Kiwis, it's going to be a pretty easy road into the quarters and semis, right? Like, I mean, that's just the way these World Cups work. Um, But we all know that it's either going to be Aussie. Well, no, it's probably going to be Aussie in the semi. Um, So we're looking at Fiji probably in the uh, in the quarter, which is which is beatable. So I mean, it was all coming down to that showdown between Australia. Us in Australia. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, James has sent a text through saying, did anyone else have technical difficulties watching the Rugby League World Cup on Spark? I pay money for a service that doesn't deliver. I reluctantly purchased it after the last time uh, I got it for the Rugby World Cup um, and had the same problems. Well, James, I'm not sure where you are in the country, mate, but I watched it this morning 
and it was no dramas at all. Uh, the Kiwis game was fine. I do know that the opening game, England-Samoa, there were technical difficulties, but that wasn't the spark end that was coming out of England because I know that uh, Fox Australia had the same issues. So it might not have been, a, I'm not sure which game you're talking about, but that might not have been a spark issue. It may well have been a uh, home broadcast issue. So, uh, but thanks for texting through. On double eight, double three, a couple of other texts here. Rory with possibly the worst dad joke ever. Uh, that Samoan rugby league team, did that loss just appear out of nowhere? Up here, up here. Oh, it's good from you, Rory. I like He's, that, Rory. It's good from you, Rory. It's terrible, but I like it. It's terrible, but I like it. Keep the dad jokes flowing. Uh, you can't get enough. Uh, Zaid is with us on 0800 150 G'day, Zaid. What was your standout of the weekend, mate? Um, Graham Potter's Chelsea boys get another dub. Mason Mount. Did you see the three kick he got? Yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, five wins in a row now. Um He's definitely um, already bringing a difference. We've got Brentford on Thursday. That should be a win. And then um, who knows what Manchester United team comes out next weekend. But you guys are um, struggling to put goals in the net. Even um, who was it? Nicosia took you guys 90 minutes to score. I yeah. don't even know who they are. But, no, yeah, yeah. They're, they're a Cypriot team, mate. But that's what you get when you're playing in, in Europe. <laughs> you get these teams that will yeah. sit in a low block and they're hard to score against. That said... Yeah. Um, I'm pretty impressed with, with what um, Graham Potter's doing. Two big wins against AC Milan, and one a win in Italy, which um, a lot of Chelsea teams have struggled to win in Italy. But um, he's got some, yeah, he's got some good things going with Chelsea. Um, you know, um, a lot of depth. But you've got um, a Bomiang that can play strike, or you've also got Amando Brozier if you want to give him a go. You've got Kai Havertz um, up there. You know, you've got Thiago Silva who. Um, is, a thir- is playing younger than he is. He is 38, but I don't think he plays like he's 38. He's still one of the best defenders in the Premier League. Um, for a 38-year-old, he's pretty good. Um, and you've got, like, Kula Bali, and, you know, there's a lot of good players, Kukurea. So I think they should definitely beat Brentford, and it'll be interesting to see how they go against Man United. I know Brentford's not going to be the easiest game in Brentford, but um, you'd still say they should beat force the game. Um, and now... Nelson Asafa Solomona looked pretty good. Um, he was running into the, uh, giving the old Lebanons a bit of run for their money and got a nice try. So I thought the uh, Kiwis not too bad, but first game, you know, the way it's, you always want to start not too good because then you might puff out um, in the quarters of the semi. So you just want to start building. You know, we've got to play old Jamaica. What's that game going to be like? Um, pretty messy. I know they played Ireland this morning. Yeah, they got touched up sure. by the Irish, 48-2. So I think you'll probably see the uh, the second string Kiwis get a run in that game. Make I don't sure think Ireland's the most popular team for rugby league, are they? What's that? Sorry, mate? I don't think Ireland's the most popular country for rugby league, is it either? Well, no, but they've got Luke Carey from the Tigers playing half, um, yeah. and they've got quite a few Super League players in their team. So, um, Is there many good players in the French team for tomorrow who can beat Greece? I think they'll be, they'll have enough to beat Greece because they'll have the uh, you know guys from the Catalan Dragons and from uh, Toulouse yeah. um, who have been playing in Super League this season, so they should have enough to beat Greece. But I don't think they'll, wouldn't, wouldn't they shouldn't the have enough to beat though, Samoa. Wouldn't it be really, wouldn't it be the best game for viewing. No, probably not. But you know, it's a it's a World Cup. I mean, that Greek story. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, the story around the Greece team and how they actually no, got to the World Cup yet. is uh, is pretty amazing. It's definitely yeah. worth a look, uh, Zaid. Hey, uh, I've had a text through here, Zaid, that's uh, asking me to ask you about Auckland losing to Wellington. I'm picking that that is from somebody who's a Wellington fan. 
No, they didn't turn up. Got a bit outclassed. And, um, yeah, they never really, to be honest, Auckland didn't really click at all this season. Um, we're missing Sullivan quite a bit. And, um, yeah, just didn't quite click. And um, it's pretty much the whole Hurricanes team, really, if you look at the Wellington squad, a bit stronger. You know, Perinara and uh, Julian Savia, Ruben Love. So they've got probably a few more better players in Auckland. Um, Duplessy, Karifi, uh, Numia, so... Yeah, yeah bit, and Almoa, how good is Almoa? Almoa's been yeah, he's on fire. Good as well. and they're on a good winning streak. What is it, eight games in a row? So um, I think Canterbury's going to struggle with them as well. So yeah, yeah tell you, here's a question. Here's a question for not just you, Zade, but for anybody listening about uh, the All Blacks 15 that was named. How's Kurt Eklund not made it? Because I thought that in that game against Canterbury, the semi-final, uh, I thought he outplayed both McAllister and Bell while he was on. He, he his set piece was superb. I don't know how he's not made that. I don't know. He was he was real good for the Blues this year as well. He's he's the fourth best hooker in New Zealand. I don't know how he didn't make it either. I don't know. Nah, good stuff, yeah. Zade. Hey, thanks for your call, buddy. Thank you. Cheers, uh, Zaid. We're with us on 0800 150 Keep your calls coming through or your texts on double eight double three. It is 16 away from 1. SENZ Afternoons with Staff. We know Staff today. He'll be back tomorrow. We're 11 away from 1 o'clock. It is Midday Madness taking your calls and texts. Double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine or 0800 150 Dick from the Naki has messages saying, haven't got internet, but have Sky watched delay on three? Oh, okay, yeah, so he's watched the game delayed on three. A bit irked to see Sky Sports emblazoned on the back of the Kiwis jerseys. Um, Yeah, I I don't know why you're irked by it. I think it's just a, a, a great move from Sky, to be honest, because... Sky have done the same with the Breakers, right? I guess if you if the Sky Sports Breakers uh, and your Spark, are you going to bid for the NBL rights? And, the, uh, you know, they've got all the league and they've got the New Zealand Rugby League as well. They don't, just don't have the World Cup coverage. So this is a way of telling Rugby League fans in New Zealand, uh, you're watching the Rugby League World Cup, you want to watch Rugby League, you should, should get Sky. I think it's clever. Uh, but, Dick, I get uh, I get that advertising on jerseys does play uh, havoc with people sometimes. They don't enjoy it. Clark said, uh, Liverpool, mid-table. Nice dig, Ricardo. You are still a Man United fan with a jealous eye on Liverpool's growing trophy cabinet. Well, Clark, thanks for your text, but it's not going to grow this season, is it? No, I don't think so. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Pete, I picked England to beat Samoa, but certainly not by the margin they won it by. They're underrated. This is probably one of the strongest teams I've had for a number of years. Samoa have only been together a short time. Lots of game breakers, but can they gel and play as a team? That's the big question. Uh, see, I, 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 I'm not going to say I disagree because obviously they lost, mm. but Pete raised a point there that I was bringing up last week that England had, hasn't played together in a number of years. Um, whereas that Samoa team is full of guys that all play together all the time in mm. Penrith. And so in my mind, they were going to be better in the first game of a Rugby League World Cup than England were. Probably the most the thing I was shocked about the most was that it was the complete opposite. So, um, yeah, I think, like I said, Ricardo, it's hard to see Samoa bouncing back from that when they just clearly didn't have it in the first. And you're talking their back line. You know, Luai, Targo, To'o, Crichton, these mm. are all guys that play week in, week out at Penrith. I, I honestly thought, do you know who I thought the two weakest players on the field were? Who? Anthony Milford mm. and Danny Levi, who are, in my mind, showed why they are not top-tier NRL talent. They really showed it in that game. They were, Milford defensively was a liability. Levi just simply did, didn't do a good enough job out of dummy half. Not that the other guys weren't at fault, but I thought those two were 
particularly poor. Interesting that Danny Levi's been signed by the Raiders for next season. By backup. Canberra. Yeah. yeah, well, his backup. You know, he's yeah. not a he's not a first grade NRL hooker, mm. and that's probably this. Well, Milford probably does get a starting spot, but you'd argue he's he's on the outer. He's at the Dolphins, um, isn't he? Next I think year? he's going to the Dolphins next year. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, he, his career's coming to a close. So that'll be interesting. Uh, let's see how that goes. Now, I'll get your take on this too, because Ken has said Samoa needs the six Samoans who play for the Kiwis. Um, I don't know, know know that they do. I mean, it probably wouldn't hurt, but I mean, you just talked about all the talent they've got from Penrith. I don't know that. Talent's the issue. It feels like gelling and playing together is the issue. Yeah, that's like I said. I've I've sort of been speechless this last twenty four hours. You've got a premiership winning half. You've got three premiership winning backs. You've got Joseph Suali, who's arguably the the biggest talent coming through. Um, you've got a forward pack with the likes of Josh Papali'i. It's it's hard to really fault the team on paper and mm. coaching. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, we are eight away from one, and Steve from Auckland is called through on 0800 150 811. G'day, Steve. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ricardo. I know you're talking rugby, and I'll get to that subject in a moment, but uh, but I was um, sitting down yesterday morning, and I was watching, obviously, like a lot of a lot of people, you've all got an EPL team, but uh, I was watching, um, I think it's called Match Day Extra. Yep. And it's sort of like our highlights. I've just got to say, man. What a good program that is. Yeah, they do it well, don't they? They do it well. Better than most oh. sports do it, I think. Oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't help but think to myself, man, um, rugby could learn a, a, a lot. I don't, don't know who the host was, but they had a couple of um, former players, you know, obviously guys who've played a lot of e, EPL games, and I just like the way that the guys just break the games down. Um, it's, it's just fantastic. Sets look really good, and it's bloody impressive. Um just on the NPC, I must admit, before the quarterfinals, I was actually hoping that some of the there'd be a few upsets, so we might might see a might might see a couple of underdogs in the final as well. And basically, why I say that, it's no disrespect to either Wellington or, or, or Canterbury, but boy, aesthetically, I just wanted to see some really good crowds mm. rock up to the finals, and it, I think I think it would have been a lot better if it been in Bay of Plenty or Hawks Bay or Northland, etc. But you know, it's not the end of the day credit. To those teams coming through, but I suppose, you know, like a lot of people, NPC's my favourite comp, and you hear that from a lot of people. But boy, the crowds just aren't turning up. No, they're not. You know, you're right there, Steve. Thanks very much for your call. 0800-150-811 is the number. We'll talk more about that a little later on. It is six away from one. SENZ, it is afternoons with Staffy Ricardo Ball in for him. Coming up to the latest in news and sport with Johnny Mack. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through, though. Someone put $20 on England to win by 50, which was paying 151. Man, I'd love to be their friend. Uh, I tell you, you wouldn't be buying a drink all night, that's for sure. Uh, Sam, th- Sam, thanks for the multi on Thursday for the Harness and Greyhounds. Great return on my $2 bet. Go the Habs. That's from Phil. Well done uh, to you, Sam, apparently. And Vaughan reckons that Chanel Harris to Vita, who's had enough of rugby league and doesn't want to play anymore, is uh, going to play all the rest of the games for Samoa at the Rugby League World Cup. So we'll see how that goes. I like the way you're thinking, though. Vaughan, coming up after 1 o'clock, Matt Shaw is going to talk to us about the Rugby League World Cup and Carolyn Buchanan about going down real fast on two hills.
You're on SENZ Afternoons with Staffy Ricardo in for him today. He'll be back tomorrow. It is four past one. Plenty of text still coming through on double eight double three. We'll get to some of those shortly. Coming up this hour, Matt Shaw. He's a rugby league writer and commentator for the BBC and Rugby League Live. He is going to join us. And we're going to talk the Kiwis from this morning up against Lebanon. Plus uh, the Kangaroos, uh, England. And that thumping win over Samoa and some of the other likely sides in the World Cup. We'll talk to him a little bit later on. Uh, some of the texts that have come through. Uh, this one saying Samoa need a Samoa coach like Willie Poaching, who uh, can relate to players. Well, maybe there, there might be something to that. Uh, how do you think? Uh, how do you guys think Schuster would have gone for Samoa? I reckon he probably would have gone all right, but. Um, you know, maybe as a ball playing 13. I don't know. They've got plenty of talent there, though. So uh, I think it's, it's it's tough to say whether how much of a difference he would have made. Um, this one has come through as well. I said this time last week that some I was down for would be Anthony Milford in the halves. The guy has absolutely no idea how to na- navigate a team, and that's the exact thing the Samoan team is missing. They need a conductor while Luai does his thing. The perfect person would have been Thomas Luluai. And what a way to finish his career that would have been. What a great call that is. Thanks very much for your text. No name attached to that one. Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three is the temper bed post a text machine. It is five past one. And Crankworks, that's Crankworks uh, with an X at the end there. World Class Sporting Festival is returning to New Zealand. Event and ticketing information is at crankworks.com slash festival slash Rotorua. Of course, it does go all around the world. And uh, one of the participants in Crankworks around the world. Uh, she's been stood on the podium more times than you've had hot dinners probably. She's been an Olympian. She's won world championships and uh, she's no stranger to going downhill real fast on two wheels. It is Caroline Buchanan joins us on the show. G'day Caroline, how are you? Good morning guys. Now uh, you're getting ready to, to, to come out to Crankworks Rotorua at the beginning of next month. Uh, what does coming to, to New Zealand and, and that course in uh, Rotorua mean for you? I've, I've seen a few videos of the course uh, done by the guys, I think, at Red Bull, saying that they think it's up there as one of the best courses in the world. How, how do you rate it and how much are you looking forward to being here? It's incredible. So the Crankworks World Tour, we've had three stops already in Cairns, Innsbruck, in Europe as well as Whistler. And the final stop is going to wrap up the season in Rotorua. The courses, they've made some changes. So I've heard that three of the courses, the pump track, the speed and style and the whip off jump, uh, they've all been moved. So, yeah, they've put a lot of infrastructure in. The downhill is going to be at the venue as well as in the iconic Redwoods. So it's basically, yeah, a mountain bike festival where they've got about seven different disciplines. And, yeah, I encourage anyone to bring the family down and, and come see the show. How does it compare, do you think, Rotorua and the Redwoods to Whistler? Because I know Whistler just quietly is probably your favourite, isn't it? Um, well, actually, we just had cans, and I'm obviously an Aussie, and I just racked up three podiums, and the courses were also insane. So I think my newest favourite is, is going to be cans. But we're coming off a high off this last round into into Rotorua. Yeah, it's, it feels like every course just tries to one up the, the other, the previous course. So is this going to be a, a case, um, Caro, of every time you go do a course, it's going to become your new favourite course? <laughs> Maybe. 
I mean, it just seems to start happening that way. And Rotorua, I always love going there to experience the culture and obviously the hot pools, stay at the Millennium Hotel, so everything's like super central. And yeah, I mean, we're going to be there. Some of the best events for people to come down to watch is one of the night shows with the whip-off. It's like a crazy jam. Um, they always have food and beverages on the mountains, so come and enjoy the show. Yeah, it's going to be a great uh, great atmosphere, a great show, lots of entertainment to, to, to be seen as well. But from a competitor's point of view, you know, there's so many disciplines. Uh, how do you train for so many disciplines when, you, you you know, you've got to do so many different things? It is. Well, it's a bit of a logistical system. I mean, flying to New Zealand with three bikes um, or your spares, your tyres. Uh, and then for me, I do the pump track, the dual slalom, the speed and style, and I'll be competing in the two downhill disciplines. So, over seven days, I'm competing in five events, and because I'm up for the overall title, yeah, it is a little bit of logistical crazy madness. Um, for me, my background, I've done about the last 15 years of BMX racing, gone to Olympic Games, so the training for BMX and mountain bike, they're pretty similar. It's a very heavy sprint power sport, um, and obviously high skill with all the tricks and backflips as well. Am I right in thinking that uh, mountain bikes might be a little bit easier on the knees than BMXs, just with the uh, you know the sort of suspensions and things you get? <laughs> yeah, a little bit easier on the knees, but then again, you're going down mountains and there's a few more trees and obstacles to hit. So both come with high risk, and that's all part of the enjoyment of the risk-reward factor. Some of the best events to watch uh, at Rotorua will be the main event, which is the men's slope style. And that's the freestyle discipline down the hill where we've got Amelia Hansen and Nikolai Ragakin, um, and they're yeah, yeah they're, well, they're the stars of the show. I, I think the idea is not to hit the trees, right? Yeah, stare at the tree, hit the tree. So yeah. don't stare at the tree, don't hit the tree. Yeah, that's the perfect, <laughs> perfect. That works. How, how did you? How and when did you transition from being you know a, a BMX competitor who was at the Olympics to doing downhill mountain bike? So over. The sort of two Olympic cycles of the London Olympics and then the Rio Olympics, I was dabbling in two years heavy focus BMX and then two years heavy focus mountain bike. Um, in the last two years, I actually narrowly missed the selection for the Tokyo Games. So the benefit that I had as an athlete that had this platform of being a multi-discipline athlete, I was able to take a little step back and go, you know, what are the doors that are opening? What are some epic opportunities? And Mountain biking and freeride has one of the biggest global world tours, amazing prize money, awesome support from the industry, Trek bikes. And I just said, hey, you know, like I've um, achieved a lot in BMX, gone to the Olympics, won world titles, and this door's open in mountain biking. So it was really that smooth transition. And I recommend any athletes, if you're growing up or parents that have kids, I mean, get them into all different sports and diversify because as the industry changes, as the world changes, you go through COVID, you have you know, events that are cancelled around the world, um, making a career out of a living um, from a sport, yeah, to be able to be resilient and to be able to diversify made it really easy for me just to take up full-time mountain biking and dive straight in. Yeah, when, when did you start BMXing competitively and what other sports did you do competitively before you discovered, hey, this is me? Um, so I started BMX at five and I wanted to go to my first world championships in Paris at nine. I was doing tennis at the time, taekwondo, BMX, soccer, all of it. And, um, my parents actually gave me an ultimatum. They said, you know, do you want to get your black belt in taekwondo or do you want to go to the BMX worlds in Paris? So I, um, hung up the taekwondo boots and decided BMX was the thing. And then from there, it was that natural progression pathway from BMX racing to freestyle to mountain biking, um, through state, national, world, Olympic. 
I remember as a kid, it was the ultimate thing if you could have a diamond back. No, the, the old Diamondback BMX. <laughs> uh, what was your first bike, and what was it, what was the first bike that you kind of had the picture on the wall that you're like, I'm going to own one of those one day? Well, the Diamondback was a good bike. Um, I had a Mongoose actually, so that was my very first. They were the OG bikes back in the '80s, and BMX was a really big sport. It boomed in the '80s, and then it kind of dipped through the '90s. Um, then it became an Olympic sport, which completely changed the evolution of BMX. Bigger start hills, bigger ramps. You're dropping in off like a three-story building now. Um, as soon as the sport went high performance to that Olympic level, obviously you then end up in a whole different support network through the federations. I know New Zealand Cycling really picked up BMX heavily with Sarah Walker and um, supported them. So, yeah, the sport's in a healthy place, both BMX and mountain bike right now. And encourage anyone to give it a go of all the disciplines that you do on the crankworks world tour what's the one that's your you know if you had to just do one which one would it be oh my specialty is a bit more pump track um but that's where you have no chain and it's you know you're building your own momentum i would say speed and style is the event for me it's head-to-head racing so it's that dual slalom format down a mountain, um, you're going around flags, moguls, jumps, drops, and then you've got two trick features. So your time deducted, your trick is your overall score. So, yeah, us girls are going head-to-head. We're throwing backflips now, and then we're racing down a mountain. So that's probably the best uh, adrenaline rush and one I love the most. The In the in the lead-up to uh, this interview, uh, Carol, I, I did uh, some – as you'd expect from a true professional, some research. And I watched uh, on uh, your YouTube channel, I watched you do the first ever front flip by a female rider. Um, How was that? And and what was going through your head? Yes, I did. So that was at the Audi 9s event in a quarry in Germany last year. And up until that point, we'd had actually a New Zealand athlete, Ellie Chu. She'd done it on BMX in the Nitro World Circus Tour. No one had ever done it on a mountain bike as a female. So I'd prepared um, at my home in Australia, landed about four to an airbag safely. And I thought, yeah, like let's, this was mid-COVID and knew I had to come home and quarantine and didn't want to obviously come home injured. And I was like, let's go over there, stomp this world first front flip and managed to land it first go and come home safe to Australia wow. and then quarantine. Mate, it was well done. <laughs> it was impressive to watch. I've, I, I've got... Um, my uncle uh, is unfortunately no longer with us, but he was a mountain climber and he climbed Everest a couple of times and did a lot of that kind of stuff. And I remember saying to him about heights, thinking, you know, aren't you scared? Aren't you frightened? And he goes, oh, you've got to have the fear. Otherwise, you know, you'd end up killing yourself. Um, but when you're going to try something like that for the first time, there's got to be a little bit of fear there. Where does that sit in your head amongst everything else that you're trying to focus on? It is that fear gives you that alertness and the ability to actually stay focused on the job at hand so yeah your body reminds you that this could hurt if you fall or you could have you know a major injury um so it those warning signs is what you use and you use that adrenaline and that fear and that jitteriness you turn it into energy to focus so yeah when I was dropping in it was that moment of like you've really just got to turn off your brain you've got to send it that first time and then build from there and whether you make a mistake under rotate over rotate the body is so resilient that, yeah, you can get back up and go again. But it's that moment of saying to yourself, like, I'm all in. You've got to go that first attempt and then make those mistakes and build from there. Ah, good stuff. Hey, Caro, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. I, I really appreciate your time, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in action over here. Go well, uh, prepare well, and uh, travel safe, and uh, we will see you in, what, just about a month's time. 
Yes, just under a month. First event will be actually in Gisborne for a pump track uh, world qualifier and then over to Rotorua. So a little bit of a tour of New Zealand and can't wait to be over there with you guys. Oh, mate, bring your surfboard. Gizzy has the best surf. Go to, so make sure you've got a surfboard handy, all right? <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Go well. Uh, there you go. Caroline Buchanan there with us. Uh, top international riders going head-to-head with Kiwi riders. Come and see what it's all about. Crankworks Rotorua. And uh, that is Crankworks with an X at the end. You can get ticketing information and event information at crankworks.com slash festival slash Rotorua. This is SENZ. It is uh, Afternoons with Staffy Ricardo Ball in for staff. And, of course, it is Rugby League World Cup time. And Matt Shaw joins us uh, from the UK. He's a Rugby, live, a rugby League live editor. G'day, uh, Matt. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. First look at the Kiwis this morning, of course. Uh, did it reasonably comfortably in the end against Lebanon, but maybe not as comfortably as we thought they would. Yeah, I think that's about fair. I, I think the first game in a World Cup, there's always some little teething issues that, that teams have. Uh, I think that was apparent with New Zealand, as it has been with other nations. I think you could have probably said the same about Australia. Certainly could have said it about Samoa, couldn't you? So, um, yeah, the game was in the balance. And then Joey Manu decided, nah, I'm, I'll take the game by the scruff of the neck. And like six minutes of brilliance from him just ended the contest and it was a sublime period for him. Uh, but all being said, they've got through a, a relatively tough game. Lebanon looked decent. They mm. looked decent and they've they've come through it unscathed, I believe, as well. So in terms of first round games, that's probably a box tick. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the, the, uh, the one thing I guess we will hear more about later is uh, Adam Dewey being uh, sinbinned. Uh, for something that was said to the referee, uh, that was a that was just ten in the bin, wasn't it? It wasn't a send off, send off. Well, when, I've got to admit, there's a little bit of confusion. Mm. It it appeared it was a sim bin. However, I don't believe he came back on, which would suggest he got sim well carded. Sixty fourth minute, sixty fifth yeah. minute. So that would suggest it was a red. Now I've spoke to a few people at the ground. I, I wasn't at the game because I went to watch Island Jamaica. Um, and even in the press box, a bit of confusion. Some people think they saw a red. Some think they saw a yellow. So we don't know. But I would suggest with the fact that he was off for longer than 10 minutes, it probably was a red card, which is a huge blow for the, the Cedars in, in terms of their World Cup campaign. We're a massive game against Ireland up next. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you look at this from a Kiwi's point of view, you know, you, as you said, uh, Joey Manu doing Joey Manu things. And that that was really, uh, in the end, the difference. But uh, for Lebanon, they it's it's them or Ireland, really, for the quarterfinal spot, you suspect. Uh, and uh, Adam Dewey could be a massive miss. Yeah, for sure. I, I think looking at the, the group stages of this tournament from the get-go, I'd put down Ireland-Lebanon as the the game of the group stage because I, I thought that was the the most intriguing game probably along with England and Samoa but that obviously turned out to be a massive disappointment well not not from an England perspective but in terms of the spectacle and everything um, I think the two really evenly matched sides and but to lose Dewey is a big big blow for them because that that looked like a partnership um, and the question is how do they fix that without chopping and changing and, and everything else. And it's not what you want in a tournament like this. You want continuity, don't you? So that's a, that's a blow for them. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, from a from an Englishman's point of view, watching that Kiwis side, um, we know what they look like on paper coming in to the tournament, but what did you make of them in general? Well, they didn't look they didn't look too bad on grass, did they? Um, well, I, I always think 
it's the group stages you don't really get a decent impression you can see as individuals who's in good nick you can pick out bits and bats um i thought that was solid enough I, look I, I think watching it i always felt if they needed so they could have gone up a few more gears mm. um i've got to be honest I, I think they've got a great chance of winning the thing i really do i i, I for, for me i think they've got the better of australia i think that pack i, I just think the pack's phenomenal you know, I, I got the pleasure of interviewing Nelson at Sofa Solomona before the Leeds Rhinos warm-up game. And I was just looking at the map, how big are you? Like, there's some big blokes in Super League, but that guy, something else, um, and can play as well, can't he? So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. They, they can be better than that. There's no doubt about it. But there was enough on show there to suggest that when it comes to the business end, they'll be firing. And uh, I mean, Joey Tarpany went off with a looks like a broken nose, um, and he, you know he he might sit out the Jamaica game. Uh, they'll probably make a few changes for that. But how big are the Kiwis in the middle when you've got him playing lock, who's probably a prop anywhere else? <laughs> it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous. I've not seen a pack like it. Um, you know, we we see we've seen in the game. You know, it's gone through change, hasn't it? Where Locks have been an extra prop, and then you've got your Bradleys coming through a little bit smaller and, and play a bit. But the New Zealand is just everyone's a giant. Everyone's an absolute giant. I I, I do worry for from an, from an English perspective. I do worry if if they were to play New Zealand because you know we can talk about technical ability and everything like that. But when you're just that much bigger, uh, it's like how do you how do you handle that? I don't know. That, that's what, it's what I think puts New Zealand just a little bit above everyone else. To be honest, yeah, it's that old saying, isn't it? A good big man beats a good little man. That's it. That's it. It's um, it's just life, isn't it? I suppose in any sort of physical, physical way. Um, I hope I'm wrong from an from an English perspective, but that New Zealand pack's just phenomenal. And, and the the thing is as well that, that needs to be said. They come into the individually, they come into the tournament in real good form. You know, you look at some of the guys in that part, they had great seasons. I, I thought they were harshly done by on the Dally M standings. Mm. You know, I thought more would be in contention for like in the position categories, but alas, they weren't. Um, they've got a phenomenal side. There's, there's no doubt that over there, your part of the world, you have a superb side on your hands. Jerome Hughes couldn't play today. Bit of a thigh niggle. Have you heard anything about how serious that is? Is is that likely to keep him out of the group? Or there was a bit of chat um, at Headingley today um, between a few a few guys that were there. No one seems to truly know, but the message coming out of the camp was it's not too bad. Um, I can't see why they would cover it up. And I, I, look, I can't imagine it is that bad. Because if it, if it was, they would have replaced him, wouldn't they, in the squad? Mm. They'd have brought someone else in. So they clearly think he's going to be fit to play at some point. Um, even if that's the quarters, you know, that's what you need him, isn't it? So I, I can't imagine it's too bad. Really can't. Uh, let's have a chat about a couple of the other teams in the tournament, um, starting with England. Um, I mean, looking at this, you know, Gary Schofield pre-tournament was uh, having a crack at some of the selections, um, saying it was a, a weak England squad. And to be fair, down here, we were looking at Samoa going, hell, England might not even make the semi-finals because, you know, they might end up having to play Tonga in the quarters. The Samoan side looks so good. Uh, but they just, they looked like a rebel when it came to actually on the field, didn't they? Listen, everything you were saying, we were saying. Um 
look, I think I think expectations were a little bit lower over here than they have been in the past because A, Samoa, Tonga look fantastic. Hasn't been the case in previous tournaments. Also, from an England perspective, there's no Alex Wormsley, who's arguably our best middle. Uh, Mark Percival is our best centre. He's missing. Liam Farrell, arguably our best back rower. He's out. Uh, John Bateman was suspended for this game. Harry Newman, the, the gun lead centre, missing. You know, there's so many players. Uh, Johnny Lomax, who's probably the best player in Super League, also out. So we're going. You know, how do we how do we replace these players? It's, it's not it's not easy. Um, and and look over here, Samoa are being billed as the favourites. So. I think everyone was in the same boat. Um, but my word, I mean, England, I don't know what you thought. I thought England were phenomenal. Mm. Uh, they're just outstanding. We we, we all know over this side of the way, I'm assuming over there, Jack Wellsby's not a name that's all too well known, but he probably is now. Like, he was he was exceptional. And he, he's, a, he's 21 years old. He's, he's a superstar in the making. Um but just just across the board, I didn't think there was one poor player for England. Um, you know, George Williams has had a really poor season, but again, he was brilliant. Uh, Callum Watkins at centre, I, I could pick out everyone. Um, and I think suddenly, everyone in England's gone from going, "Oh well, you know, if they get to the semis, they've had decent run, so we can win the thing." Yeah, well, why can't we? Um, look, the, we'll probably get onto some other. They were horrible. There's just, there's not much getting away from that, but. You can only beat what's in front of you, and England were England were awesome. You've got to credit where credit's due. England were awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, you gave away the size advantage, right? Somehow, were definitely a bigger side, but it was execution for England. They everything they they tried came off basically. Everything stuck. Yeah, I, I just I thought as well that the outside backs uh, got the better of of Samoan's middles. The amount of quick play of the balls that England were just getting from the back. You know, Watkins in particular, but Tommy Makinson, Herbie Farmer had a pretty good game as well. Dom Young, I mean, you know, what a try that was when he when he rounded Suwali. Um, the I, I just thought they beat Samoa that way, and then as you said, the execution, um, they were just they just looked slick. They they did look slick, which for a side that hasn't had a lot of time together, you know, they, um, there was a lot of complaints over here uh, aimed at Super League because. They didn't give enough time between the grand final and the and the start of the World Cup for preparation time. There was a lot of people who felt they should the England camp should have started two weeks ago to maximise our chances. But you'd have felt certainly compared to tomorrow, you'd have felt like they'd been playing with each other all year. Mm. So they just looked in sync, didn't they? They, they just, everything looked good from an England perspective. Yeah, 100% agree there, Matt. I think England look very good. Uh, just uh, stay there, buddy. I, I want to talk to you more about uh, Samoa and Matt Parrish, but we'll do that after the latest in news and sport. Currently have uh, Matt Shaw with us out of the UK, editor of Rugby League Live. And uh, Matt, wanted to talk to you about the Matt Parrish situation and Samoa. They were incredibly, incredibly disappointing. And I hear there are some rumours doing the rounds that Jet Tuvi might jet in and take over the team. Are you hearing anything about that? <laughs> well, Jeff Tuvi's there. Je- Jeff Tuvi was part of the backroom staff yesterday. Uh, you know, he was he was floating around. There was I'm trying to think who there was. There was him. There was Lee Radford, bizarrely, who's the Castle for Tigers head coach. He's part of the backroom staff. And who else was there? There was. Uh, I'm trying to think who else it was. There was. I can't remember off the top of my head. Ferretti Tualagi was there. Who's 
uh, you, you'll obviously know well, a, a hero of mine um, from when he played at Halifax with my hometown club. But what, what I will say about Parrish, what concerned me in the um, post-match press conference from a Samoan perspective is there was almost a, 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 a is-what-it-is sort of mentality. Like, you know, the shrug of the shoulders, it's what it is. I, I'm telling you now, if that was New Zealand, England or Australia could, that wouldn't be how you react to a defeat like that. I, I don't know. It raised alarm bells with me. If the performance didn't, I just thought that did. He, he did say, in fairness to him, they wouldn't start well, that they would build into the tournament. But, you know, that and that was miles off, wasn't it? That, that was... When, when Milford got simbined, they threw the towel in. Mm. They threw the... They, they gave up. They bound tools. Um... And for a country and a team of such talent and seemingly such pride in wearing the jersey, given you know they've, they've chosen to pledge their allegiance to Samoa, that, that, was a, that was a pretty alarming performance for me. Yeah, it was a really disappointing performance. And now, you know, it's gone from, hey, Samoa are my favourites to win this group to going, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if France get second place in this group. <laughs> I, I, I've got to admit, I, I can't, can't see that. Um, France have a few missing. Theo Farge, who uh, three-time Super League champion with Saints at Huddersfield now, he's pulled out, and he's he he would have been the one to pull the strings. And I just think they'll miss that that composure, um, as well as again giving up the size advantage. That that would be a shock to me. But I get where you're coming from because they were that poor. Like you think of some of the guys that were in that team. Like they can't have individual had worse games in career, some of them. You know, they, were te- they were terrible. They are absolutely terrible. So, who knows? But with everything that's been said about Parish and Samoan, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, um, hopefully, they can write it and we see them, Tonga, uh, in, a, in a decent quarterfinal at the World Cup. What about the Aussies then? Uh, I, I don't know what you made of Mel Meninga's squad. I. I was scratching my head because it didn't feel like it was one thing or the other. It was like he'd kind of, he'd had, he'd picked two squads and then merged them is kind of almost how it felt. He'd picked a 2019 squad and a 2022 squad. And because they hadn't played in so long, there was a little bit of that. And then picking on form as well. He's, it, it kind of feels a bit of a hodgepodge uh, squad. This is this kangaroo squad. Yeah. I, I, I looked at him and was just surprised. I, there was no, I, I don't think there's any obvious player I looked at. Went, I'm surprised he's, there's a lot that didn't get picked. I'm surprised he's not, you know, mm. probably a, the biggest compliment you can give to the depth they've got. But yeah, he, I, I almost wondered coming into the tournament whether he'd pick a side looking for maybe to the future, you know, if there is going to be an enhanced international calendar. Do you pick blokes who are going to be around for five, six years? He hasn't really done that. A little bit of that, but then there's also a little bit, you know, of Daily Cherry Evans and uh, yeah, strange one. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I didn't quite, but you know, no, no, in Australia we'll go and win the thing, won't they? Then we all go, well, got it right. <laughs> it's just what the Aussies do, frustratingly, isn't it? That's just, it's just what they do. So, uh, look, end of the day, I agree with you, but who are we to argue with Malmeninga? Yeah, well, there is that. There is that. And uh, he's not a man that breaks an argument, I don't think. Um, the the Fijians uh, probably, I mean, I saw their result against England in the warm-up and was surprised and disappointed and probably a bit the same here because they seem to have, 
on paper at least, the team that should be a lot more competitive than what we saw? I think um, there are a few things. You know, Kikau didn't play, Coruscant didn't play, a few, a few others didn't play. It absolutely chucked it down. The weather was torrential. The England boys playing that a lot. They, with some of those lads that have never played in those conditions, uh, they picked up three injuries in the game. There were a few mitigating circumstances behind that. England were pretty good as well. Um, maybe we all just need to agree that England are awesome. They're just mm-hmm. hammering everyone, aren't they? Uh, no, I won't get ahead of myself just yet. Uh, 110 yeah, points in two games. I know, crazy, crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't read too much into it being there. I, they, look, they were poor. They were poor, but they had a lot out. Everything else going against them. Um, they were better against Australia. They had a crack, didn't they? They um, they just they just miss a half, don't they? I think. You know, Wakeham's Wakeham's not bad. He's okay, but um, they just miss someone else just to just to steer the ship around. I think. Um, again, fascinating. Will they go through? Pro- probably. You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd, yeah. you'd think that they'd have enough for Scotland and Italy. I've got to say, I thought that was a shock. I thought I thought Italy beating Scotland was a shock. Um, but I would still think they've got enough to, the Fijians have got enough to to make the way through. All right, so that, that's the where we sit currently. I mean, it looks like we're saying it's going to be a Fiji-Kiwi quarterfinal. Um, it's going to be Tonga, probably Samoa quarterfinal. England... I don't know. England, England. who who England going to play in the quarters, do you think? Uh, will it be Papua New Guinea? Probably be Papua New Guinea, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then it's, as you said, that your game of the group stage will decide who uh, who the Kangaroos play in the quarters. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't forget, PNG beat Great Britain in 2019. So, you know, strange things have happened, haven't they? Uh, this is a different England side, obviously, but... Yeah, the 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 Island Lebanon games are one. I I think I think now, now you've got England somewhere out of the way, the one with a bit of jeopardy is that Island Lebanon one. Um, Island were pretty good today. I've got to say they've they've got you know on paper they've got a decent team, um, similar to Lebanon. I just I just worry now with doing because disciplinary is tomorrow. So as you guys, uh, as you guys go to bed. That you probably get the new or, or waking up, so no, I get it all. probably overnight for you actually. From the yeah. time difference, that news will come out. Um, but if Dewey misses, I, I look at who, who goes into the halves and how do you what what impact does that have elsewhere? So I think, given that, um, you, you go Ireland, however, Lebanon will probably be better for playing New Zealand. I don't know how much Ireland will have got of playing Jamaica because look, Jamaica weren't here to win the competition. It's a fantastic story, Jamaica being a rugby league World Cup. They're on their own journey. This is much more than winning games for them. But I don't know how much Ireland will have really got out of that game today. Lebanon, probably a little bit more battle-hardened, which has to stand them in good stead, you would say. Yeah, you'd think so. I tell you, the thing that really um, uh, stood out for me was Lebanon's uh, defensive line speed. It's the Kiwis. Mm. Like, you know, there were times when I was thinking, is this, is this ref playing a five-metre uh, line <laughs> yeah. because they were just up so so quick and I think that probably burned their legs towards the end but mm-hmm. man it, it really put pressure on the team with the ball at the start the first half particularly yeah and and I think that watching Ireland today they were just a little bit clunky 
on line attack. Um, you know, so that, that's an interesting match, isn't it? Well, mm. how will that work? Can they fix that up? Um, but but they do have a good spine, the Island. You know, Kiri's Kiri, you, you know him well. Uh, Richie Myler's had a great season at Leeds at fullback. And even the other halfback, Joe Keyes, um, for Island, he plays for Halifax in the Championship. He was nominated for uh, the Championship Player of the Year, and he can play. He, had, he, he got a few try assists today. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him back in Super League. So watch out for him. There's, um, yeah, it, it being it's a, it's just a fascinating game. It, it really is. You know, Moses v Kiri, isn't it? I suppose in some degree. Yeah. Watch this space. It'll be a cracker at Lee next week. Yeah, a couple of former Tigers teammates too. Right, going head to head. It's going to be interesting. Of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Hey, Matt, thanks very much for giving us some time. Really appreciate it, mate. Uh, enjoy My the rest pleasure. of the World Anytime. Cup, and we'll uh, no doubt catch up uh, between now and then. Eh? Would love to. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. No staff today. He will be back for you tomorrow. We are 11 away from two. And uh, just finished chatting to Matt Shaw out of the UK on the Rugby League World Cup. And it was interesting, I thought, uh, some of the things he said around that Samoan team, um, running the white flag up after uh, the binning of Anthony Milford. Um, and also, the uh, who was in the back room for Samoa? Jeff, Jeff Tuvey is part of that back room over there. And that is a name that has, I've seen, kicked around as a potential uh, replacement for Matt Parrish, potentially midway through the World Cup. How do you think that would roll out, Sam? Well, you can't do it midway through, can you? Well, Surely not. Well, I mean, it was like um, Matt said, you know, when they did the, the, the post-match, he was like, oh, you know, Parrish was like, oh, it is what it is. That happened, you know. If it was a day well, later, I, we probably would have been different. Disappointing in the post-match. Maybe they... The last 20 minutes really told the story for them, and I wonder if their attitude is that, well, we just gave up in the last 20, we won't do that normally, and we'll be fine. But you just can't do that at a World Cup, especially a Rugby League World Cup. The point I made last week... Um, about England somehow, but about some of the other teams too, is that this isn't like rugby where these teams play all the time and you're always building combinations and trying different things and then you're building for a four-year cycle. These guys hardly play at all. So when they do play a la a group stage of a World Cup, that's when you work this stuff out. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're working it out. But I don't think you come away from a 60-point loss thinking, and I said that at the start of the show, thinking that it's just going to get better for the next game. So the next you know? game, Chanel Harris to Vita and for Milford. Do you well, think? I, I thought he should have been there from the start. I sort of gave the benefit de- to doubt, uh, of the doubt to Milford, thinking, "Oh, well, Luai is going to do probably a lot of the flashy stuff." But I mean, someone brought it up too. There was just no game management really from Milford at all. Defensively, he was a he was absolute turnstile, and then and so was Danny Levi. So yeah, I think they, I think they've got to bring Chanel. In. Yeah, have to. But whether or not they'll do that. You know, I did see a funny uh, post on Facebook that said uh, they need to bring in their um, their Samoan uh, halfback uh, Clara Leite, uh Nathan Clearly, who uh, who who wasn't playing in the first game. So we'll we'll see about that. We'll see if he we'll see, see if, see if he appearance. can find some citizen uh, citizenship somewhere along the line. Well, it's an interesting one because I think everybody expects him to be the number one starting halfback for the Kangaroos, but i got no. a feeling it's going to be Daily Cherry Evans. No, they won't do through. that. It'll be DCE for sure. DCE and Munster. Um, yeah, I don't think Cleary play much at all, to be honest. They might give him a run in the group stage, maybe maybe this one coming up, because then they, they want the last one building up into the quarterfinal. But, yeah, unfortunately for Nathan. Um, so maybe if he does want some game time, he just put on a blue jersey. Maybe Nathan Cleary. 
Well, I mean, in the NRL, they're loaning players out to other clubs, left, right and centre. I mean, you can do it at the World Cup, surely. Well, I'm pretty sure as well the World Cup um, eligibility is quite... Like, is it 132nd oh, or is something? It, is it it's, it's quite low. Yeah, right. Like, um, people that, yeah, have you know, a granddad or whatever that, that is from the country get get through. Wow. Um, I'm just trying to, like I'm trying to calculate wrong. in my head how many teams I could play for. <laughs> quite a few. You got the, well, they talked about Charles Nickel Clocks there being able to play for Norway. Yeah. Vossi talked about that this morning. Um, but, yeah, I just, after seeing that performance yesterday, it's just hard to think that Samoa will turn it around in a quarterfinal. They're going to win the other pool games, mm. but the quarterfinal against probably Tonga. That's um, be, that will be a great game, and, though. And that's yeah. why this first game was so important, because they could have I ended agree. up playing PNG, for example, yep. as opposed to playing Tonga. And I then agree. they would be you know, on a one game away from a final. There you go. Yeah, I agree. And I think you'd get up. Uh, you, they will get up just because it's Tonga, for sure. But I imagine if it was a semi-final, there just would have been that much more impetus for them. But yeah, they've got to make some changes, I think. And you know, old Suali as well sort of got caught a little bit out. You know, he doesn't play a lot of fullback. Um, he plays on the wing for the Roosters, so mm. maybe he's getting a little bit caught out. And you know, you look at him compared to Joey Manu, who also doesn't play at fullback, but was just a star this morning. You know, well, that's the um, thing. Joey Manu was just—he, I mean, he's a, he's wearing a one on his jersey, but playing like a six when we've got the ball. You know what I mean? Well, and that's—I mean, Kempi always said. That they um, that the Roosters should have moved them into six in the NRL and the, as they got into the finals they should have moved them into six because he played his best game there or t- two best games of the year were at six this year for the Roosters, um, so you know and he predicted that maybe Madge would do it but Madge was pretty clear at the start of the campaign saying no he's a he's our number one for the for the tournament but I think you're right he sort of plays in and around the ruck um, gets his hands on the ball a lot. Um, Really, noticed, exciting. It, really exciting. noticed it against Tonga when they played Tonga and, and at, at Mount Smart. About 400 metres or whatever he got, 400 yeah, run metres. Man, that was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, keen to hear your thoughts on that, whether it's uh, the Rugby League World Cup or something else. We are going to talk Women's Rugby World Cup in the next hour. We're also going to cover off the netball with uh, staff as well, who's going to guest on his own show. Keep them coming through, Double eight, double three. Coming up two o'clock, and the latest in news is sport with Johnny Mack. A couple of texts that have come through. Kia ora, guys. My sporting moment of the weekend, Nati Poro East Coast, beating the newer in the Heartland Rugby Championship. Up the Sky Blues. Yeah, boy, ride a ball. That is from Hohepa. Hohepa, I hope you're going to be there for the final this weekend when they host Mid-Canterbury. That is uh, going to be an absolute barnstormer uh, for East Coast Nati Poro. I think uh, it's going to be a great game. Fantastic story as well in the next hour we are going to catch up with Sam by the way he's a host and presenter of a women's rugby podcast and a writer as well and also Mark Stafford uh, who you may have heard of he's been commentating netball uh, the Constellation Cup series we'll get his take on where the Silver Ferns are at ahead of the world champs SENZ Afternoons with Staffy. Uh, Staff will be back tomorrow. Well, actually, he's going to be back in about 25 minutes uh, for a chat on the netball, but he will be back in the seat tomorrow. And uh, this hour, uh, we are going to be uh, changing the focus, uh, looking at the Women's Rugby World Cup taking place here in New Zealand at the moment, and also the netball and the uh, win over the... Uh, Aussies in the Constellation Cup. So we're going to do all of that for you at this hour. Keep your texts coming through as well. Double eight, double three is the text number, the Temper Bedpost text machine.
A couple of texts here. Uh, great to hear mountain biking on the radio. Such a popular sport which gets pretty much no media coverage unless it's boring cross-country racing at the Olympics. Keeps uh, sending it, SENZ. That's from Mike. Thanks for your message, Mike. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, also this one from Sam in Auckland. Hi, Ricardo. Do you follow La Liga? That's the Spanish top flight. Very impressed by Real Madrid bossing Barcelona this morning. Modric is still an elite at 37 and the rest of the team playing together so well. The coaching of Don Carlo has such a positive impact on the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, it was a good win, 3-1. I think it was nailed on that uh, Real Madrid were going to win that game when Barcelona announced that Drake was sponsoring their shirt for the game. Uh, anything that Drake, Drake seems to sponsor tends to go badly uh, from memory. Is, is that right, Sam? I mean, isn't there a thing in American sport that whatever Drake turns up to or starts supporting oh, uh, fails curses. horribly? Okay, one of those curses. He probably yeah. is, actually. Yeah, he seems like that sort of guy. Yeah. Justin Bieber's another one. Yeah, totally. Just stay away from any sort of music, musical endorsement. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Barcelona this season have signed a deal with Spotify to be their front of jersey sponsor. Wow, that's pretty cool. And um, so, you know, it's a big deal. And it's not something they've always done. They've gifted it a few times to charities, but for a long time they had no sponsor on their shirt. Yeah, they, they had wanted... UNICEF for ages. Yeah, but they wanted it to be I thought they had Qatar anyways for a bit. Oh, they did as well, yeah. But before that, it was, yeah, they had no UNICEF. sponsor. It, yeah. was like a, it was like a thing that they did that was like, you know. Uh, but, yeah, for this one-off game, the uh, Super Classico against Real Madrid, they did a deal with Drake for some reason. And oh. so they had this Drake logo on the front of their shirts. Well, one of the um, – well, actually a few of the um, the only sports that don't allow the branding all over the jersey. I was just seeing the NFL. None yep. of them really have brands on their jerseys, do they? No, it's all um, pretty clean. I'm a big fan of the ice hockey. They don't really have – they have the occasional little badge, but that's it. Um but yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a, a more of a football thing to having it all over the shirt and well, it's not it's not rugby. quite like the you know the IPL where their shirts starting to look like NASCAR drivers. Oh, NASCAR, yes, those yeah. things are they're everywhere. And if you if you ever do want to see uh, something comical, just type in um, like KHL uniforms. That's the Russian um, ice hockey league. It's oh, yeah. like every the socks have sponsors on them, the gloves, <laughs> the helmet, like the whole thing is just a, a skating advertisement board. Um, yeah, you can barely see the numbers and the names, but that's that's the future, isn't it? Apparently, oh, it's, it pays the bills, right? Pays the bills, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, keep it coming through. Double eight, double three is our temper bed post text machine, and uh, we will get continue to get through to those texts. Also, keen to hear from you about the women's rugby world cup. We had another round of games over the weekend, and uh, some interesting games, uh, some interesting results thrown up. I mean, the Wallaroos very lucky to squeak home against the Scots. They won 14-12 in the end, but they finished the game with 13. Two red cards in the last five minutes, which you would think would mean the Wallaroos would be a bit under strength when they play Wales this weekend. Uh, what does that mean for the Welsh? Does that give the Welsh a shot? Because they beat the Wallaroos, and they will get uh, to a quarter-final as well. We'll ask that question of Sam, by the way, when he comes on the show. Uh, shortly, and talks the Rugby World Cup. But, uh, yeah, if you've got any questions for Sam, thoughts as well. Uh, went well at Waitakere yesterday. I live in Tiaratu, which isn't too far away. I was working part of the afternoon, but when I got home, it was in the throes of the second half of Fiji versus South Africa, and we could hear the drums from our house, from the stadium. So there was obviously a great turnout there, apparently really good turnout in Whangarei as well for the games that they had up there. But uh, some close games as well, which is what you want to see at tournaments 
at this stage of things. So yeah, good to see uh, Fiji get up. Actually, I thought they were going to lose it. They had led for a long time, and then they were, I think they were 17-14 down uh, to South Africa. And then at the last minute, they got a win. They got a try in the last minute to beat the South Africans. So currently, as it stands, Fiji are third in the pool with England, France, and South Africa, uh, which is uh, them going pretty well. Uh, the other pools, Canada lead uh, Pool B on 10 points from Italy and the US, who are both on five. Japan don't have a point yet. And in New Zealand's pool, uh, the Black Ferns, 10 points, maximum points. Then the Aussies and the Welsh on four, and the Scots on two. So that Aussie-Wales game is almost a quarter, uh, you know, sort of a quarterfinal. It's a qualifier for the quarterfinals here, head-to-head knockout game there. Uh, get your text through to us on that one on double eight double three. When we come back, Sam, by the way, joins us. We'll be talking Rugby World Cup. Kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Quarter past two here on SENZ. Uh, Ricardo in for staff today. He'll be back for you tomorrow. We're actually going to catch up with staff shortly to talk Constellation Cup. Uh, just struggling to get hold of Sam, by the way, at the moment. Uh, he is an English journalist uh, who is down here covering the Rugby World Cup. Uh, he's just messaged me back to say he's all good to go, giving me the thumbs up. So uh, hopefully we shouldn't be too far away from having him on the line. And uh, we can talk a little bit about how this competition works and about what he's made of the first two rounds, particularly because we had England play France on the weekend and that was yeah, certainly something um, with the first and third favourites going head to head. I, I thought uh, England really looked like they were uh, they won the game 13-7 but it was a real arm wrestle and uh, they did look a little bit short of creativity but I, as somebody uh, said, I saw saying that it was uh, very very good to see that the English women's team can do exactly what the English men's team can do and play 15-man game with just 10 people uh, because that's kind of very much what it looked like. So uh, we'll see what uh, Sam has to say about that accusation, but I guess it's all about playing to your strengths, right? Playing to your strengths. So there you go. That is uh, what's... Uh, where, where things sit uh, currently. Uh, there's also a live knockout baseball uh, going on at the moment from Major League Baseball. Uh, the New York Yankees currently up 4-2 over the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, used to be the Cleveland Indians. They've changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. So 4-2 to the Yankees. They need to win this to stay alive. It is the it is the best of five, and Cleveland lead the series 2-1 to one at the moment. So the Yankees up 4-2. At the top of the uh, seventh, uh, so the Guardians need to get the uh, Yankees out of there and get back on the plate themselves. Also, there's a live NFL at the moment and two of the top teams this season. The unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles, who are currently 5-0, and are playing the Dallas Cowboys, who are 4-1. and This is in Philly. Philadelphia lead. Uh, eight minutes into the second quarter by 14 to nil, and they have a field goal attempt, which looks good. So 17 nil to the Eagles up over the Cowboys, uh, eight minutes gone in the second quarter of that match. We'll keep you up to date with those. Keep your texts coming through. Uh, this one has come through, no name on it, but apparently I was talking earlier about Drake sponsoring the Barcelona kit um, for the one-off game, the uh, Clasico against Real Madrid this morning. Apparently, he lost $833,000 on a bet on Barcelona. So he'd bet that Arsenal would win and that Barcelona would win. He said he'd done it as a multi, 
and uh, course Barca lost 3-1 this morning to Real Madrid. So, yeah, he lost $833,000. I don't know how much it cost him to sponsor the front of the Barcelona jersey, but, uh, yeah, it's a, an expensive day if you're Drake. Uh, I think that has to be said. Um, if there's anything else that you want to cover that we haven't covered, you can get in touch with us on 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or double eight double three. Uh, the boxing on the weekend, there was some... Great fights yesterday. Really impressed with David Nika. Uh, he had a difficult fight, and it was not made any easier. There was a head clash in the first round, and he had a really nasty gash under his uh, right eye, on the, right on the cheekbone, and a lot of blood coming out of it. Uh, that happened in the first round, but he uh, managed to get it done with a chopping overhand right uh, in the second round to win by knockout. Very impressive from him. For George Cambosis Jr., and he went well. Uh, he fought Devin Haney. It was a rematch. He'd lost the first match to Haney, lost all four belts, but uh, this was the rematch that was in the contract and uh, took it to the distance, went to the cards. Haney's just too good with his movement in that, but man, Cambosis, what a warrior he is. It was a fantastic fight to watch. And then we saw Deontay Wilder. As well, Deontay Wilder back in the ring for the first time since he was beaten by Tyson Fury and uh, Robert Hellenius, uh, who's the big, I think he's Icelandic uh, fighter, but based in the states. Guy six foot seven, so he's the same height as Wilder, got the same sort of reach. I thought guy like that with that sort of reach, he's going to cause Wilder some problems. And also, I think it's been shown by Tyson Fury that if you uh, if you can get to touch Deontay Wilder, he's he maybe doesn't have the most solid chin, but Hellenius never really tested him. He got knocked clean out in the first round. Deontay Wilder just walked him onto a right hand, and it was a good night. So, yeah, it's interesting, uh, and it be interesting to see what happens next for Deontay Wilder. So many good heavyweights around at the moment. Tyson Fury still not done, of course. He's still there. Andy Ruiz not long ago beat Luis Ortiz. Um, he'll be looking to uh, he'll be looking for a big fight, and uh, we've also got, of course. Um, guys like Anthony Joshua trying to get back there. We've got Usyk as well, Alexander Usyk still kicking around, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he does decide to take the fight uh, with Tyson Fury, if that ends up happening. But, uh, yeah, the heavyweight division at the moment is looking very um, uh, very interesting indeed. And there's a lot of good fighters there and a lot of good fighters coming through as well. So, yeah, it's uh, a story to go, and I think... We haven't seen the end of Joseph Parker either. Uh, so looking forward to um, some seeing the next round of matchups because you'd imagine those are all in the works at the moment. Uh, joining us now is uh, New Zealand's leading uh, netball commentator, uh, Mark Stafford. How are you, sir, on your on your day off? A new title. <clears throat> A new title. I like it. Yeah, mate. Uh, well, well deserved after, after the work that you've been doing. Yeah, I'm loving it, actually. It's, uh, it's just brilliant. And, geez, it was good last night. Um, Tauranga don't get much international sport over their way, and they packed the house. They were vibrant, they were noisy, and uh, they were treated to a pretty good game and a New Zealand win. I, coming into this, uh, I thought New Zealand might be a little bit underdone based, based on you know the fast that was that Jamaican series, but uh, certainly hasn't seemed to be the, the, the case. No, I think um, Dame Nolene stamped her, stamped her mark on what a good coach she is in preparing teams. Um, I agreed. I thought that that pre- preparation against Jamaica, they might, might take a couple. And I was sort of lamenting that 
it would have been better to have the first two tests in Australia because the expectation of the wins over there wasn't as high and they could have worked on combinations. But um, my understanding is, Ricardo, that they have now won the Constellation Cup because they haven't won the series. Um, so there's a series and there's a cup and it's a bit like the Ramfurly Shield. So my understanding, uh, and this came from someone at Netball New Zealand, is uh, Australia have to win 3-1 or 4-0 to take the cup off New Zealand. So... That's a pretty big feather. And I told, uh, I interviewed Kate Heffernan straight after the match, and I told her that, and she said, Really? I don't think so. So there's a little <laughs> bit of confusion there. <laughs> oh, mate. I mean, because that's the other thing is that Dame Nolene, she picked two squads for this series. So it, while it was the Constellation Cup was on the, on the line, it did feel like uh, this was a little bit of a trial for the world champs. Yeah, it does. I mean, two squads, it's just three difference. Three are staying home and three are being added to go to Australia. Um, and she's sort of the victim of her own brilliance. She's got such a deep squad now. And uh, you see when the changes are made, uh, there's no dip in application, no dip in performance. You do remember too, Ricardo, we've still got Jane Watson, uh, Karen Berger, Gina Crampton, all to come back. And they're all starters. Well, they were before they stepped away to have children and have a break. Um, Jane Watson's going to be hard-pressed to get back in that side because, geez, the defensive end is looking rock-solid. Phoenix Karaka playing playing the netball of her life. Um, Kelly Jury, she's taken, a, I think, taken quite long to fulfil her potential, but she's there now. She's such a, a tall woman. She's about 6'3", 6'4", with the rangy arms as well. Um, and Gina Crampton in the midcourt, I still think she'll make it back, and I think Karen Berger will make it back, but the people playing in their places are going fantastic. Yeah, and I tell you what, you, you can't go past uh, Grace Nowicki, can you? I mean, 37 from 37. She has got to be our uh, number one uh, goal shoot going into the World Champs. Hands down, hands down. And I suggested that, um, in fact, um, Michaela Sokolich beats and she said, um, and she wasn't being nasty, but she said the very first Mystics training that Grace Nowicki came, the girls went to the coach and said, what's she doing here? She can't catch, she can't run, she can't pass, she's unco, and uh, the coach said, you wait, you wait. And now Mickey's completely changed her mind. She said, in her humble opinion, she believes Grace Nowicki will be the greatest goal shooter netball's ever seen. And that is that is a massive statement. But I saw a slight, I saw a slight change in Grace Nowicki last night. She'd been I remember when she first came into the New Zealand side, she was a bit starstruck, a bit, a bit nervous. I mean, admittedly, she was 19. She's only 20 now. Um, she was starting to command that shooting circle. Courtney Bruce, a wily veteran from Australia, was really trying to get under her skin. But Grace was throwing elbows. She was uh, giving a little bit of lip, and you need to do that. It's a very combative sport. And off the ball, it was pretty aggressive. Do you reckon uh, they need to get shillings to do some time with CKB? <laughs> Jeez, I wouldn't take her on, mate. She's got pointy elbows and big hands and, um, yeah, real competitive. I love seeing the competitive juices in her. She was like, OK, I've done my apprenticeship. It's time to start. This is my circle, not yours. And um, I was really impressed with her. Yeah, a few grimaces. And another little thing, I'm a, I'm a big watcher of body language. And she came out at half time. After half time, she came out and she tied her hair up. And it was, and she changed the way she played. She normally plays with her hair out, and it was her hair up, and it was just like rolling your sleeves up. It was like, right, it's business time. And she stepped up 
uh, stepped up the physicality. She was brilliant. I, I thought she was just brilliant. Uh, the other thing that I really liked uh, yesterday, staff, was uh, seeing Peter Tuiava um, on the court as well. Because for me, it feels like if you're going to play Grace, you should play Peter because they work so well together. They've almost got you know sort of that telepathic understanding of each, of each other's games. They really have. They're, they're a highlights reel in themselves, and I think Dame Nolene would admit that she's uh, that Peter Toyava's been a reluctant selection, but she's just been an irrepressible form in the Premiership. Um, she's incredibly fit, incredibly fast, and Dame Nolene chucked her on, started her in game one, said right go, and um, she took off. She had a bit of a dip in the third quarter in the first test, and. Dame Nolene came out after the game and said she nearly replaced it, but she gave her a chance to work her way back into it, which she did. She is she's an unbelievable athlete to watch, just her speed, her pace. And she comes from a touch and a rugby background um, and her change of direction. And it's her vision, Ricardo. Like, you just, she catches the ball and just lets it go straight away. And you think, where's that going? Straight into Grace Mickey's hands 20 metres away. And... The defence can't read it. The crowd can't read it. Thank God Grace can. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was the Mystics were playing. It wasn't last season gone, but the one before in the Premiership. And there were two Silver Ferns defending Grace, I think. Uh, so it might, have, it might have been Canterbury, potentially. And um, it didn't matter if they they tried to cut uh, Peter off or they stayed on Grace or they tried to mark the, the space in between. It didn't matter what they did; they just couldn't be effective. They couldn't be effective, and and stopping to get the ball was a it was a thing to behold. Yeah, it was probably Dane Watson and Karen Berger at the tactics. You're probably right. I, I um, interviewed uh, Amy Parmenter. She was making her debut in Auckland in the first test, and I just said, "How was it marking Peter?" And she said, "Well, I don't feel like I did. I thought I was on her, and then she was gone." and she catches the ball one way, throws it the other way, and runs a third way. And she said she's incredibly hard to mark. And then last night, interviewing Maddie Proud, who made her debut, and the, and I just said, what's the biggest challenge in the Silver Ferns? And she said, Peter Toyava. Um, she's just, just, just incredible. It's just so hard to stop the Toyava Nueke combination. Um, I don't know that. Is Peter, maybe Peter's one of the ones not going to Australia. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'd be surprised if she keeps teaming them up. And she, because they've proven they can do it week in week out for the Mystics, they've now proven they can do it for the Ferns. But she's always in damage control, Nolan. She always prepares for the things you don't even think about. And Peter Toyava could get injured, and then all of a sudden you put a mid quarter, a feeder having to play with Grace, who hasn't had recent time with her. So she really does mix it up. Um, but I think she's pretty much cemented herself in that Ferns wider squad at least. Yeah, who do you think, if Grace is fit and Peter's not playing, who do you think was the uh, wing attack bib then? Um, next week, um, I'm not. they'd probably go Mila, really Buchanan, maybe Whitney Soonis or maybe Maddie Gordon. They're all centres slash wing attacks. Um, when Gina Crampton comes back, she's the, she's the obvious choice. And when Gina's back, might they try Peter at centre? Might they try Gina at centre to keep that grace? But if it was a World Cup final this weekend, Ricardo, I'd be very surprised if Peter wasn't wing attack. And obviously, Grace and Wiki goal shoot. Such a good combination. Mm. Now, we've talked a lot about our, uh, our team. What about the Aussies? How strong was that Diamonds team? Was that the best team that they could have put out? Uh, they got a couple out. Um, I don't know that they was as impactful as the three we had out. 
And it was funny, you know, both tests, I was just watching, waiting for Australia to play boss like they do. And it just didn't happen. They're using this as a bit of a building block. Um, I think across the two tests, I think they've had four or five new caps take the court at some stage. I think we saw three last night and two on the first night. Um, they're, it just wasn't quite working for them. Like They're very known, well known for their man-to-man defence. New Zealand play a box defence, uh, a zone defence, if you like, from the basketball world. Um, and Australia normally win that defensive battle, but um, New Zealand have modified their defence a little bit, which just completely shut out easy ball into the shooting circle, which Aussie always have. And then they found with Peter Toyava, she could always escape her man, and so was always free, able to receive. And the other thing they did was, with the centre pass, you usually go to the wing attacker centre. They used wing defence a lot. Um, Kate Heffernan, um, they go backwards and then build from from a little bit deeper rather than the first pass being forward. They're going backwards and setting from there. Peter Toyava getting free and just opening up gaps. It was it's really cool to watch the uh, technical aspects of it. And uh, you know I'm still learning, but uh, I've got a huge appreciation for the tactical mouth and how as a unit they can break down individuals collectively. Now we're going to go uh, to Melbourne. Um, for the third test, which, of course, uh, is going to be a Silver Ferns win, uh, Staff, and I know that because they're playing at the John McCain uh, John Kane Arena, and, you know, John McCain, you've done it again, so obviously they're going to do it again right there. <laughs> I thought you were going to go McCain's frozen veggies or something at me, <laughs> and I was thinking, where's he going? Oh, gee, look, if they can pick up one in Australia, that's a huge result. Um, I mean, it's big that they've won the Constellation Cup, and I probably shouldn't have told Kate Heffernan that they'd won it because Nolene probably won't. Um, but there's no reason to suggest, like, netball crowds are loud. Um, and whether they're for you or against you, like the Aussies said they love the crowds in New Zealand. And they said they're just as loud as the Aussie crowd. So it's the same, same, you know, the court's the same size, the, the goals are the same height, and there's momentum for New Zealand. And they've really found some weaknesses and some fallacies in the in the Aussie team, and they'll just keep building on it. The, the only ones that can change, I think, the results is Australia, not New Zealand. I don't think New Zealand will change. Yeah, OK, interesting. And just before I let you go, Staff, because we've got uh, Johnny Mack waiting with news and sport, but Peter's just messaged in. Uh, he wasn't sure. Did you say that Crampton's going to play wing attack or centre when she comes back? Well, I don't know. It depends. It, it's like uh, what do they do with Gina when she comes back? What do they do with Peter? Um, as well, and Whitney Soonis, Mila, Maddie Gordon, there's just so many options. I think she'll she'll try them uh, in both, uh, whether Peter goes centre or the, they just keep her at wing attack. They can both play both, and they both do play both. Jean is probably an out-and-out wing attack, and she's a pass captain, and she's class, but she's not as fast as Peter Toyova. No one is. So it's just where Dame Knowles wants the speed. So not even I'll Flash Gordon. Talking. Not even Flash Gordon, mate. Not even, no one's as fast as Peter. But I don't want to hold Johnny Mac up. So um, we'll be back after the new sport and weather. Here's Johnny Mac. 25 away from three here on SENZ. This is Afternoons with Staffy. Uh, as you heard, Staff uh, is on leave today, although he was uh, kind enough to pick up the phone and talk uh, netball with us after having called the Constellation Cup games here against uh, the Australian Diamonds and uh, looking in a pretty good place as well. It's got to be said, the uh, Silver Ferns at the moment ahead of the World Champs, which are in South Africa in November. Uh, updating you on the NFL, uh, the Eagles coming into half time 
have extended their lead. Uh, the Cowboys have thrown the ball away a couple of times, uh, and the, they've been picked by the Eagles. The Eagles are up by 20 to zip at uh, coming into the half, and um, it is still 4-2 to the Yankees, up over uh, Cleveland. Uh, it is the top of the eighth, so still two innings to go, but Cleveland need to get it done, otherwise it goes to a game Five, uh, and it'll be locked up at two all, and that is a winner takes all game. So we'll have to see how that goes. Of course, been some uh, pretty uh, big upsets in the baseball so far. The LA Dodgers, who I think were the best team of the regular season, um, have been knocked out by the San Diego Padres, so they are gone. And Seattle, the Mariners, who also had a pretty uh, handy season uh, and were favourites against the Houston Astros have been knocked out three zip by the Astros as well. In fact, one of those games, the game against the Astros, I think it was game three at Safeco in Seattle, uh, they went to 18 innings before they got a win, and it was one zip to the Astros. So, man, that would have been a, a tough watch, but a good day for the pitchers. It is 23 away from 3 o'clock here on SENZ, and as promised, slightly later than we had hoped, but he's here with us now. Sam, by the way, uh, host of and and presenter of uh, Women's Rugby Show podcast up in the UK. G'day, Sam. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Not bad. That's the story, mate. That's the story. Now, um, we, of course, had a whole bunch of games again over the weekend, and we got the first look at the Black Ferns playing a, a Northern Hemisphere team uh, who play the way that you know England and, and France do to, a, to an extent uh, since the end of the year tour last year against the Welsh. Uh, what did you make of what you saw from the Black Ferns and the, the way they played a team that likes to play, I guess, similarly to the way England play? Yeah, I think they kind of it was a bit similar to the way they did against Australia. They, but they op, they came out firing in terms of scoreline, but they kind of struggled up front. And I think that was going to be a little bit of a worry heading into potentially facing England and France because we still don't know who they're going to face. But they kind of got beaten up a little bit by Wales's forwards. I think in the scrum and the lineout they struggled, but once again, um, Porsche, Ruby in the back line were really good. Rua Heidemont at ten kind of ran this show, and I think. It's hard to look at Wales to be too similar to France and England at the moment because they are about two, three years behind England and France in terms of development. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, they they like to play it in the forwards. They like to play a physical uh, type of game. Uh, there's a lot of focus on set piece. And it feels to me like what Wayne Smith's tried to do with the Black Ferns is take them away from that and just try and play a faster brand of rugby that you don't get so much stuck into uh, into the physical stuff. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that uh, when it comes to playing, say, England or France. Yeah, definitely. I think you could see when they, they tried to keep it out of the breakdown as much as possible because you would do when you have that back line that the Black Ferns have. I wouldn't even want you wouldn't want them to keep it in front of and not utilize people like Portia Woodman, Ruby, Theresa Fitzpatrick was brilliant as well. You wouldn't want them to not utilize them. And I think that's how you do beat England. You looked how Fiji played against England and they kind of disrupted them. They played kind of chaos rugby. And that and the Black Ferns probably the only other team in the world who can do that. And that's how you beat England. You don't put it through the middle of them because they will beat you that way, they will bully you that way. In terms of uh, Wales, I mean, we saw them get up over the Scots uh, in the first round. They've lost this game uh, reasonably comprehensively in the end. Uh, But you give them a chance against the Wallaroos, given uh, the way that the Scots pushed the Wallaroos and the fact that they'll probably be missing a couple with those red cards? I do, yeah. I think the red cards might have killed the Wallaroos in this one there. 
I think the disciplinary hearing for those two is today, but otherwise they're going to have to call on a, another hooker. The hooker they've got in the squad is uncapped, so inexperienced. And Wales, as we've just been saying, is a really powerful up front. And I think that's the way Wales will play against Australia. They'll try and beat them up. They'll try and play through the forwards, keep the ball in the rook, keep the ball in the mall, probably u- utilise the driving mall, which is one of the, one of their biggest weapons. So I think they do have a chance. And I think Scotland probably battered and bruised Australia more than they expected. I don't think they would have expected Scotland to come out fighting like that against them either. So I think the two factors of Wales having that driving mall weapon, being powerful up front and also kind of being battered and bruised by Scotland, losing their two hookers. I think Arabella McKenzie, their fly half, took a knock as well. So I think they're going to struggle going into next week, actually. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because it is all down to the draw, right? I mean, if you get a win there, you're uh, you're less likely to be playing one of England or, uh, or or possibly Canada. Yeah, you, you don't. It's all done seeding, so the top, obviously, the top four play the reverse and bottom the, the next four. So first will play eighth, and then you know it, it's quite complicated. We've been trying to figure it out in terms of who might play who, but yeah, you don't want if Wales win. It's unlike they probably they won't win the group, but they probably qualify as the best second place, which would mean they would avoid any of the winners of the group, which is what they kind of want to do. Yeah, I mean, because there is only three groups, right? So three groups of four. Yeah. So you get uh, the top, the, the, all the group winners plus the next best team are the top four, and then and, and then you go from there. So two of the third place teams will make it, and it's all yeah. decided on two points. of the best. Players. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would imagine, I haven't read through all the rules, but I would imagine if Wales ended up with the least points, for example, um, uh, and finished in eighth, but they, they wouldn't be able to play the Black Ferns because they're in the same pool, right? That would seem that would seem weird if they allowed that to happen. No, they could play the Black Ferns, they could play the Black Ferns again as well, so yeah. that, that is something that could happen. Yeah, okay, all right. Now, we, we did have the big uh, match of the two powerhouses uh, from the Northern Hemisphere in England and France. 13-7 was a bit of an arm wrestle. There's a few, as you liked, uh, as you know, Sam, Kiwi rugby fans uh, like to sort of go, oh, you know, uh, the England woman, just as good as the England men about at playing a 15-man game with uh, with 10. Um, I, don't, I don't know how, if you picked up much of that, but I saw a few comments floating around. What did you make of the game? I think it was brutal. I think it was always going to going to be. It's like it seemed like both sides didn't really want to show any tactical weapons that they make they might make might use further along down the line. I think it seems that both teams will have to play each other again at some point in this tournament. And I think neither of them wanted to kind of show their best tactical weapon. But England did just front up rugby, ten man rugby, and um, bullied France up. France made 214 tackles across the game. And I think that's just astonishing. And I think it was it was 84 within about 30 minutes as well, which is ridiculous. But they were it was it was tough to watch. Like it was brutal. And I think it was a little bit nervy. I think England um probably could have handled it a bit better at times. I think they there were scoring opportunities that England didn't take. Emily Scarrett knocked the ball on close to the line. Um a couple of held up tries held up. And I think I think if that had clicked, it would have been a little bit more comprehensive. But a whip, England just needed to get through that game with a win. And weirdly, I think having that really close game probably benefits them more going down the line in terms of beating um, Fiji by 80 last week. A tight game like this probably benefits them more heading into a semi-final against France, semi-final against Canada, or a semi-final slash final against the Black Ferns. 
the the knock on effect from this is that that amount of tackles. I can't remember what was it two hundred and twenty four tackles you said the French made. Their yeah. next game is against Fiji, who are a big team. They're a physical team, but and they like to play the chaos mm-hmm. rugby you talked about. Is there a sniff of an upset there? Yeah, I do think there is. I think it would be it would be tough for Fiji to do it, but this the way Fiji set up this Fijiana team is the perfect way to beat France. I think just to play with the ball, play unstructured rugby and throw the ball about. And once when you do that, you're gonna the French are not gonna know what to do with it. I think they're gonna they'll probably panic a little bit and maybe I think it is a there is a perfect chance for Fiji to do to have an upset. And I think their win yesterday against South Africa will just only inspire them to do that. And they're they're playing for a place in the knockout stages as well. Yeah, of course they are, and that uh, that win against South Africa was huge, wasn't it? Because I mean they were outsiders in that game, but they led, and then the South Africans pegged them back. And I kind of thought, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe you know they're, they're done here, Fiji. But to score that last minute try to get the win over South Africa, uh, what was the atmosphere like there when that happened? Oh, it was great. It was. I think a lot of people um, left after the Black Ferns game, which is slightly disappointing. But um, there was plenty of Fiji fans in there. I think. The, the whole crowd was leaning towards Fiji. I think one of the biggest noises of the day was when Fiji scored their first try, but the atmosphere was great. It was a good vibe in the crowd. And I think as soon as that winning try went over, the place just erupted. In terms of what you've seen now, you've seen everybody play twice, Sam. Uh, who's this, mm-hmm. who's who's the team for you that uh, has maybe surprised you the most? It wouldn't, I wouldn't say surprised me, but the one that I'm most impressed with is Canada. I think they've kind of gone under the radar because that Pool B doesn't have the big hitters of France or New Zealand or England in, but they've still got tough competition. They've got they've beaten Japan, who can be tough on their day. They've beaten Italy, who are, who are a hard side to beat in the Six Nations. They always give England issues, but I think they've gone through those two games really clinically got bonus points in both of them. They've done everything they needed to do um, and kind of just won really efficiently and really importantly to get them through to the next stage. They've already qualified. They're heading into the game against USA wanting to win because it's their biggest rivals, but not needing a win. And I think that's important for them. And they've just done a, they've just gone about it in a a way that's really clinical and just nice watch, nice rugby to watch, but efficient as well. Yeah, good stuff, Sam. Hey, listen, I really appreciate you coming on, mate. I hope you're enjoying your time down here in New Zealand. Yeah, I am, yeah. I've been exploring this morning in Auckland. So we were up in, I went up to Whangarei at the back end of last week to, for a couple of press conferences and had a bit of an explore up there as well. Uh, good stuff. Well, we'll talk to you again, mate, uh, before you, you jet off home. We've still got a, a lot of rugby to be played. I really appreciate your time today. <laughs> No worries. Cheers. Speak Cheers. to you soon. Yeah, will do. Sam, by the way, from the Women's Rugby Show, he's a host and presenter there and uh, used to be Match Day Media for Bristol as well. He's uh, very much involved in rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. It is uh, 12 away from 3 here on Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Now, uh, the vault, we were supposed to do the vault uh, this hour, but we've run out of time for it. So we're going to do the vault in the next hour. So make sure you stick around for that and we'll give you the opportunity uh, to win yourself a TAB bonus bet voucher. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, We're also going to be catching up uh, with former Everton striker Brett Angel in the next hour to talk Phoenix and a few other things as well. It is seven away from three o'clock.
Yeah, we're a couple of minutes away from three o'clock. Uh, the Eagles uh, lead twenty to three over the Cowboys at half time in the NFL, and looking pretty good for that lead as well. And it looks like uh, the Yankees will probably uh, get it done against Cleveland, top of the ninth, still four two. They need to win this to take it to game five and stay alive. Uh, I was mentioning the San Diego Padres knocked out the Dodgers. Uh, earlier, a text came through saying that the Padres has Don Tricker on their staff. Tricker coached the Black Sox to the World Championship and was also New Zealand Rugby Union High Performance Manager until he was headhunted by the Padres. That's not a bad CV, is it? Not a bad CV. Hey, take that, take that any day. Um, coming up on the show, we've got an hour left to run. We're going to be doing the vault going to be doing the vault in the next hour. We're also going to be talking to Brett Angel, former evidence striker, uh, coach Hawks Bay United as well. He is going to join us to talk the Phoenix. I might ask him about the Danny Hay situation as well. We'll do that in the next hour. Plus, what's making news and back in the day, plus the vault, all of that and more to come. Uh, just uh, putting it out there, Craig is officially being banned from ever taking part in the vault for this joke that he texted through. Someone who would be good at this game is Lord Vault Immort. He knows what to do. Uh, for you Harry Potter fans, you'll know how cringe that was. Dad joke of the year, I think, from Craig. Uh, and probably put himself in the naughty corner as well for the vault. It is coming up 3 o'clock. The latest with Johnny and News and Sport next. Four past three here on Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for uh, Staff. We're going to play the vault right now. So if you want to play the vault with us and potentially win yourself a $50 TAB voucher, give us a call 0800 150811. 0800-150-811. We had to move it from last hour. Uh, we ran out of time, but uh, we're doing the vault right now. So if you want to win that uh, that voucher from the uh, TAB, give us a call 0800-150-811. And Sam and Robbie are standing by to take your call. Uh, I had a text through from Ken saying, Hey, Ricardo, uh, good show. Took my two daughters to the semi-final in Wellington. It was a sad night for me, but they loved it. Bring on the Blues season and go the Kiwis. A bit worried about England. They were brilliant. Cheers, Ken. Yeah, they were. They were really good. Uh, although I think Samoa will let them play a bit more than the Kiwis or the Kangaroos would. So it'll be interesting to see if England play Tonga at some point, uh, probably a semi-final, you would suggest. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Updating on the NFL, they've just kicked off the third quarter between the Eagles and the Cowboys, and uh, still 20 to three, the Eagles leading the Dallas Cowboys. And in the uh, baseball, uh, no change there either. Uh, still 4-2, the Yankees. Uh, they have finished their at bat. So Cleveland have got three more outs to try and uh, knock the Yankees out and stop this going to Game Five. Cleveland quite currently leading. A series 2-1. It is uh, 4-2 at the moment. The Yankees lead on that one. As I said, give us a call if you want to play the vault. 0800-150-811. And I'll just say, Ricardo, that um, if we don't have a contestant, then uh, the seven questions just get null and void, and we go to jackpot tomorrow, five questions Ooh. straight off the bat. So okay. we need someone to take the hit. Yeah, come and, on. Uh, and go for seven. I mean, seven's probably the best chance you've got, seven well, questions. so, seven questions. Even That's... though if you, if you try another day, you get more answers. But, uh, you know, if you, if you back yourself... It'll be interesting to see how tough they are, because I've never played the vault before, so it'll be interesting to see how yeah. tough it is. But I play a, um, a a game with my daughter mm-hmm. called What's My Animal? And you have 10 questions. Very similar. Very uh, similar. Very similar. And I, I usually don't need the 10. 
usually don't need the 10. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. You back yourself. We'll yeah, see. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, give us a call if you want to play uh, the vault. There is a TAB voucher up for grabs, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. And, uh, yeah, uh, Sam, you follow the NFL. You were a, I know you're a Pats fan. Um, if I'd said to you at the beginning of the season, which team is going to be the only unbeaten team after six rounds, how many guesses would you have had to get before you got to the Eagles? Um, probably a few. Mm. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not totally surprised, but and and uh, there is always a team that goes well this early. But I said it weeks ago with Steph. I think it was after the second or third game that you're still going to get your Kansas Cities, um, your your Rams, Buccaneers. They're going to be there in the postseason, and they'll be the teams that are going to be hard to beat. So mm. even though you've got these teams flying out now, I mean, even the Cowboys are four and one. Um, I still think you're going to there's going to be a bit more competition come the uh, come the postseason from those bigger hitters. Well, you, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how the Rams because the Rams are really struggling. I, I think this is a it's going to be one of the worst starts for a defending Super Bowl champion that I can remember. Um, just trying to have a look. I know they 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 won today. They're three and three now in the NFC West. But uh, anyway, we are going to play the vault. Scott has called in from Christchurch. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Sam's the quiz master here with the vault. Sam, you want to take us through how this works? Well, better play the old fanfare and make it official. Okay. Ten questions. One answer. Can you crack the vault? Very dramatic. I like it. Ten questions, though. We need to change that because it's only seven now. Uh, so uh, Scott's going to step up to the plate. First batter mm. in, the, uh, in the vault innings today, uh, Ricardo. And um, I've got a bit of audio here. Nice, valuable bit of audio. Today it's worth $50. It'll be worth more tomorrow if you don't win it, Scotty. I'm just going to put that in the vault. Lock that away okay. for safekeeping. Yeah. And you've got seven seconds, uh, seven seconds, seven questions uh, that you can ask. Scott, starting from now. Have to be yes or no answers. Right, let's start with: um, Does the sporting event involve a ball, a ball sport? Yes, it does. Okay, it does. Yep. Okay. Um, Is it played by an individual as opposed to a team? No. Mm, Good question. Okay, so it's a team sport. A team. Team ball sports, where we're at at the moment, Scott. Pretty broad. It's okay. pretty broad. Okay. Is it is it um, a national representative team as opposed to a club team? Great question, Scott. Yes, it is. So it's a national team ball sport, right? Yep. We got that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it predominantly a summer sport as opposed to a winter sport? Ooh. Is it predominantly a summer sport? No. Okay, so it's a winter. It's a winter code. Winter code, Scott. Okay, that's four. Um, let's let's go. Is it pre two thousand? No. Okay. All right. So it's recent. Last twenty two years. Okay. Got two um, more. Two more, and then does, a guess. Does Does Ricardo get a guess? Ricardo can offer you a question if you like. You can lean on him if you're Go stuck on. for the question. Go on, Ricardo. He doesn't know the answer, though. Does this international team that's involved represent New Zealand? Yes. Okay. 
So we know it's a New Zealand team in the last 22 years. Ball sport winter code. You've got one right. more. You got one more question, Scott, and then you can have you can give it a guess. Okay, okay. I'm going to try and narrow it down. Is this um, is is this a football related event? Soccer, football. No. Ooh, okay. So there you go, Scott. Those okay. are your seven. You've got a little bit to go off there, but but very minimal. So you can have a stab at anything you like. We'll punch it into the vault and see if it opens the door. Okay. All right. Um, where are we? All right. Let's go topical. We'll go rugby league. Is it um, is it when the the Kiwis beat? Australia in the Rugby League World Cup final. So it's a good guess, Scott. From the questions you had, you've come up with something very specific. Let me put that combination into the vault. See if we get ourselves a winner here. Oh, she's not correct, Scott. But I tell you what, you have set it up perfectly. Some great questions in there. Yeah, Rick Dog. So he's got. Beautiful. He's done everyone a favour. You've done everyone a favour. Made a hundred bucks. Tomorrow, tomorrow is Scott. going to be up for grabs. And you can call back again, Scott. You might get through. That was a, that was a yeah, great that was a great, great shout. I kind of was thinking. I, I like I say, like Sam says, I don't know what it is. And I was thinking, what is topical like you did? I went rugby league world cup yeah. on at the moment. You, you Maybe down, he's gone down that that went, route. You went down a good road, Scott. Just unfortunately, the incorrect one today. Ooh. No trouble. But I commend you. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. All right, go well, mate. Uh, the Vault will be back tomorrow with Sam and Staff at around uh, 2.40 because um, when Staff's here, he runs a tighter ship than I do and doesn't end up being at 3 o'clock. Uh, when we come back, Brett Angel's going to join us and we're going to talk Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, 3.17 here on Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ricardo and for Staff will be back from midday tomorrow. Uh, just updating you on the NFL. The Cowboys have scored, uh, and all of a sudden it's 22-11 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we'll keep you up to date with that as we go through the rest of the afternoon. And uh, I can tell you that uh, looks like we are done. Yep. Uh, the final score, the Yankees 4-2. It goes to game five of that divisional series for the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians. So they are still in it. Time to talk football now, though. And former Hawks Bay United coach and Everton striker Brett Angel joins us. G'day, Brett. How are you? Not too bad, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, Phoenix, uh, another draw. Two home draws. Probably, if you'd asked uh, Ufuk Tale at uh, the beginning of the season and said, look, you've got two games at home to start, we'll give you four points, he would have taken it. But two, probably not so much. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's spot on, really. I think uh, they would have been looking at uh, a minimum of four from the from the six that were available. But when you look at the two games, I suppose, you know, the first one could have been a defeat. So, uh, yeah. So, as I say, I think it's all starting or will start to unravel. He'll be a little bit more disappointed with that um, with that start. But um, I think there's still plenty of way to go to, uh, you know, pick up them points. Now, I've watched um, both games so far this season. Against Adelaide, the Phoenix struggled a bit to start with uh, and held in there. This game felt like the reverse of that. They really dominated the, the opening half particularly and probably should have had more to show for it than they did. Um, what do you think's not quite right there at the moment? I think it's just really a settling in period, obviously, at the start of the season. And no matter what you do in pre-season, uh, you know, competitive games are completely different. I think bit by bit, the opportunities 
as a coach, I think you're always more worried when you're not creating. So the first game would have been a little bit more. And then the second game comes in and you're creating, but you're not taking uh, those opportunities. And that realistically makes the difference. So I think he'd be more happier with the second game where chances have been created but not been taken than the first where there was very little opportunity to sort of score. And uh, likewise, the result ended up in the same manner. Draw. Yeah, it did. Uh, so two draws so far. Have scored a, a, a few goals. Uh, ben Wayne, two goals from from two appearances. Uh, what do you make of his form at the moment? Well, when you when you're scoring goals, I think you're going to start being a more confident Ben Wayne. Obviously, he's not completely established, but I think what will start to happen is that maybe with that confidence, he becomes a, a more established starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, for the Knicks and obviously as long as he keeps scoring goals there's really a, a great outcome but I think also what he does possess is that youthful energy at times that just gives the group a spark as well Yeah he does I mean the story was that uh, the club turned down an approach from Millwall for him um, in the off season uh, do you think he's at that level where he could go into like an English championship side and, and, and be a player that could um, you know sort of hold his own well, when there's interest, there's generally a reason for that interest. Obviously, what they've seen is, uh, you know, elements that I think going straight in, probably at this moment in time, would still be a work in progress. But I think he's been a work in progress as well in relation to the Phoenix as well. And I think it's a great breeding ground to actually, you know, knock off those edges, you know, with, with, the, with the Phoenix. And I think certainly if he continues in the same vein, it wouldn't, totally surprised me within the next sort of year or so uh, that those uh, areas wouldn't be uh, not achievable of going into a championship side and, and certainly for a squad and certainly uh, you know, showing signs of his progress. What about his uh, strike partner on the weekend, um, Oscar Zavada, the, the the Polish striker that I brought in, six foot four, came up through the uh, the Wolfsburg Academy. Uh, what have you made of him so far? Again, a little bit quiet. I think it's one of those, uh, being what he is, I think players themselves are starting to work him out as well as, you know, you know his, his uh, teammates as well. So it does take and know what, you know, what's his strengths, what's, a, what's the areas that, how he wants to play. And I think that's still, still a little bit of work in progress. Um, you know, as a six foot four striker, you'd be feeling that uh, as a box player, and I think that's probably where the, uh, they're looking for is that outcome from inside the inside the box, but he's got pace and uh, you know so again he's pretty all-purpose. But at the moment, I suppose uh, it, it's the, the ignition is being wait is still um, being waited to fire because uh, I, I don't think we've possibly quite seen as much as what people would have liked to have seen in that first two games. Yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, you say a six foot four striker, and so you you kind of think of the um, you know striker much in the mould of yourself uh, when when you were playing. But he's he's a little bit of that. Um, he's good on the good on the floor for a big man, isn't he? It's, it almost seems like he he feels better with the ball at his feet than he does with the ball in the air. Yeah, you probably could say now more of a modern day centre forward in in that respect. You know, so that it's not all about you know, knocking big long diagonals and trying to get flick downs. You know, he's someone that will 
he's quite comfortable with the ball in and around and dribbling and, 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 and running with the ball as well. So I suppose it's, again, getting him into those areas and the, and the team getting to know him, where he wants it, when he wants it, and to really then start to apply those uh, elements to the game. That at the moment, I suppose, we're probably the jury's still out as to how consistent he is in applying them at the moment. But it, look, it's a new environment, new country, all of those things. It does take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And uh, I'm sure that over the period of the next month or six weeks, We'll see a different, uh, a different player. The second goal that uh, the Central Coast scored uh, felt pretty soft. I mean, it was w- very well taken, but the Phoenix just really opened up, and there was uh, nothing sat in front of the of, of the back line. There, we've seen in the past, obviously Alex Rufa do that job, or Nicholas Pennington did it last week. Uh, but with Ugarkovic, who's who was fantastic, and Clayton Lewis, who's also a very good player, they feel like they're more ball playing sixes rather than actual stoppers, if you like. Um, do you see that as a potential weakness going forward? I think, uh, it, again, it's about the transition and about being organised transitionally to have those players in the right spaces. And I suppose at that time, they didn't have them quite where they needed to be. And it's a bit like working together. At the end of the day, they can't both go. So if, if the game, if the, if the uh, you know, if the move breaks down, then suddenly the opposition are straight on you and, 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 and you suddenly haven't got any central midfield at all. So I think it's a little bit about sort of working together uh, to try and nullify that. But and consequently, possibly neither of the two are what you would call natural defensive-minded players. So maybe if that's something that continues, I would think Beck would look at it and sort of say, do we need somebody to just stiffen up that sort of back line to give those two a little bit more um, resource to actually go forward and know that there's something uh, behind you so that 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 element of the game is taken care of rather than those two having to deal with both aspects of the game. What have you made, um, we're two games into the season, what have you made of the Phoenix imports this season or the the new additions, should I say, because Costa's obviously not an import, uh, as it were, but what what have you made of them? I mean, to me, they look probably better than they did this time last year. Yeah, I think, look, Costas, you know what you're going to get with Costas. And even in the first game, you know, he was quite quiet. And then suddenly he's been given an opportunity, nice little ball from Clayton down the inside channel. And he, and he struck it superbly, which has given the goalkeeper a decision to make. And then Ben Wayne's in the right place to, uh, you know, to scoop up the rebound. So, again, given the opportunity, I'm sure he, you know... And, that, and that's what all strikers want. They want enough ammunition to be... He's not going to get a 100% success rate, but what he will get, if you give him enough ammunition, he's going to score goals because he's proved that over the period of time. I think, obviously, with you guys, it's one of those where, again, we know that from a central, um, you know, an A-League perspective, he, he, he's got good experience. I think it's just utilising that experience now and to get both elements uh, working. And, and, I, and as I say, I do feel that it is time. I, I, I think uh, I think realistically in the next sort of month or so, I think that's probably going to be a better gauge of whether these imports are working or not, you know, as it will be for the whole team. I think the next month of games will, will actually decide realistically whether they're settling down or whether the settling down period's over and now it's about actually uh, performing. 
There's uh, news coming out, obviously, after Danny Hay uh, chose not to reapply for his job, that Ufuk Tale might be interested in doing the All-Whites job and the Phoenix job. And the Phoenix have come out today and said that they support him and that wouldn't have a problem. Um, how do you think that would work, having a a guy... I mean, we've seen Ricky Herbert do it, but the game has changed. The A-League season is bigger, longer, more in-depth, more, I, I guess you'd say, a better level now. Do you think someone can do both jobs... Uh, equally well? Again, I think it's about managing, managing yeah, and, and, and getting the right personnel around to be able to actually better support that. What you've got at the moment, and I don't, you know, is obviously international windows when games are played. Um, generally, those international windows don't actually um, impact on the Wellington Phoenix and their A League campaign, but if there is, then that may create bigger barriers but again it's just about actually working working it through and then the obviously both parties agreeing to the timelines of what's required and what's not required but as I say it'll be about really utilizing his, his, his coaching group to be able to support both elements and whether they're the same or they're different that might be another you know quandary that uh, could be put in but Ricky, Ricky did it previously. Uh, yes, you're quite right in probably sort of saying that the game itself has slightly moved and, and has been a bit more developed since then. But overall, you know, again, I think it's just about managing and managing staff well enough to actually put, uh, you know, both campaigns together and, and, and getting it organised. And there's going to be a lot of crossover of player base as well in, in relation to the All Whites and the, and the Phoenix as well. So, again... One of those things would be that uh, the players themselves mm. need to know the um, fact a little bit better than maybe somebody coming from outside that they don't know but have to build those relationships. Uh, finally, Brett, before we let you go, on Danny Hay, uh, he decided not to reapply. Uh, I think it probably would have felt like a bit of an insult being asked to reapply uh, from his end. Um, he has been accused, apparently, of being too autocratic uh, as a coach, but given that you know, it's the coach's job on the line rather than the high performance managers generally. Do you know of any successful coaches who haven't been autocratic? I think, again, it's the balance. I think for what you perceive Danny to be, maybe in his uh, persona more so than what it was. Uh, but, I, you know, again, what I find is it's just disappointing that, again, the game seems to be in a state of flux and it seems to be moving forward, certainly from an international competition perspective. Uh, but now it seems as though we're looking for other people now to, to, to move the game here forward. And that's the disappointing thing from the game's perspective. It never really seems to be moving forward, at, at, you know, it, and therefore then it always gets sort of two steps forward and one step back. And it's going to be a new group or a new, you know, because obviously you're not only looking for a new high-performance director, you're also looking for a national coach, and who comes first? And maybe that might have been the problems in the past, that uh, in reality, they've probably for the very, very first time got a clean slate to put the right people in place that are going to work together or should be working together, but who knows? That's, I suppose, you know, that's easier said than done. Uh, and I'm sure that they wouldn't have done or made those decisions without, um, you know, knowing potentially who may be available to come in. But maybe they have, I don't know. So, uh, as I said, it, again, 
for me, it's just about it, feel, it feels as though the game was moving forward and now suddenly the handbrake's back on and we don't quite know what's going to happen. Mm. Good stuff, Britt. Hey, listen, really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, and uh, go well, and we'll talk to you again soon, eh? Well done. Thanks, Ricardo. Cheers. Uh, Brett Angel there with us, talking Phoenix and New Zealand football as well. Uh, a couple of minutes past time for news and sport with Johnny Mack. 26 away from four here on Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Goal fueling your mission all year round. Coming up between now and four back in the day. And what's making news? We'll catch up with, I see Stephen McIver is in uh, the hot seat this afternoon for the run home. Uh, so it's going to be the Stephen Beef Show. Sam, so uh, I don't know, maybe you need Beef and Steve. The Beef and Steve show, yeah, I don't know. It's the, the Sam and Steph show, doesn't quite work. The Steph and Sam? No. no. The two S's? That's, yeah, 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 no, we'll have to think of something. Yeah. Hey, um. The Commodores. Talking... SS Commodore. <laughs> that's not bad, actually. Yeah. The, uh, what's, the SS, like, um, boats are called that, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, the that's right. Yeah. Um, you were talking. Uh, about we were talking about the World Cup a bit earlier on mm. today, um, and I was asking you who you think the favourites are because obviously we're coming into World Cup season and a lot of people are going to be doing their sweepstakes yeah. at work, whether or not that's random or whether or not you get to choose. So, what are you what are you feeling? What's your gut saying? Um, who's going to take it out? Oh, I think Brazil are out out uh, ahead of everyone else at the moment. To mm-hmm. be honest, um, I think Neymar. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the way that they will set up. Defensively, they are pretty sound. They can choose from Allison or Edison, the Liverpool Man City keeper. Anything with a sin is good. Yeah, yeah, right. So they've got those. Uh, they've got those two keepers. They've got Marquinhos, who's at um, PSG um, at the moment as a centre back. Uh, they, they've got great defenders, great wing backs available as well. They can play Casemiro and Fabi, uh, Fabinho from Liverpool yep. as their as their holding mids. I was going to ask you if they had any Enios in there, so that's yeah, good for Fabinho. Yeah, yeah. So they got them, and then in front of them. You know, you can have Neymar playing in the 10 role. You can have Gabriel Jesus uh-huh. at Arsenal, who's in, on form at the moment, playing in front of him. Then you've got Anthony, who's the new signing at Manchester United, who's scored three in his last four. Is he one of those guys that his name is just Anthony? Yes. And then Love that. And then there's uh, Vinicius Jr., who's mm-hmm. at Real Madrid, who's the big Real Madrid star now. Who does, He'll be uh, playing on the other side. Who does Firmino? What country is he from? Well, he's Brazilian as is well. Is he Brazilian? So yeah. there's, I mean, they're, they're stacked. They are, there's a good team when you read it out like that. Yeah. Um, so what, who who's in behind him? Who's going to challenge him? Because I remember last time Germany went in the number one ranked mm. side and uh, didn't make it out of the group. So who else yeah. is... That's happened before, actually. That happened. To, yeah. That happened to France in two thousand and two. They lost to South Korea, didn't they? Yeah, Germany. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that um, yeah, France in two thousand and two were the defending champions and went out in their group as well. Mm. Um, so it has happened a couple of times. But I think Argentina probably. Uh, it'd be Messi's last go round. Lautaro Martinez um, from Inter Milan, their striker, mm-hmm. will be playing in front of him. Um, so. I think that Argentinian side look pretty good, and they're unbeaten in thirty-three internationals. Wow, thirty—that's incredible. So 33. they're on a great run at the moment. So what about France? Because obviously they're the defending champs, and yeah. um, you know, they, they, I don't think many of those guys have retired, right? They've, they, they're all young back in twenty eighteen. Mm. So what's France not really going to be well, there? Or France have this habit of um, every couple of World Cups completely imploding. Naturally, they, they, they have a lot of infighting issues. Okay, uh, and that's reared its head again. So. Paul Pogba, who uh, may probably may not make it anyway, he's had to have a knee, knee surgery. Uh, but he, it's come out his brother tried to blackmail him with some gang because it came out that he'd been paying a witch doctor to put curses on Mbappe, oh a striker. Uh, and Mbappe is he's like a giant baby anyway, and he's actually throwing his toys at the moment. <laughs> he at, doesn't at, need the curse, does he? No, at PSG because 
He's saying that the club have reneged on all these promises and he doesn't want to play with Neymar. He, he said that he wants Neymar that gone sound, from the club. That sounds like Neymar five years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's exactly the same. And I, you know, I just think there's too many personalities at work in that French side. I, mm. I can see them imploding and not really working. And probably from a personnel point of view, they are the best team out of yeah. Europe at the moment. On paper, for sure. Yeah. So um, give me a dark horse. Give me a team that isn't, you know. Maybe the Netherlands. Ah, oh, the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think the Dutch uh, look like they could be quite good. Van Persie still around? No. Gonskis. No, Gonskis. But Iron mean, Robin? Uh, no, These are all Gonskis. my favourites as a kid. Yeah, yeah, no, he's retired as well. But uh, they have a Wesley very good Schneider. song. A very good side. No, he's retired as well. Ah, who is this team? Uh, I don't even know these guys anymore. And uh, and that they have flown under the radar a bit. So I they think, always do though, don't they? Yeah. They're always just. But the problem for them, I remember. So yeah, if I go back to sort of twenty ten and twenty fourteen mm. and that when they had those superstars, everyone talked about they none of them like to play with each other because in the Netherlands it's very parochial where you come from, like. To a, to a board like it's almost racist like yeah. the areas that you come from in the Netherlands and so they hated playing with each other and that's why they just would never do well in a World Cup of course they made that final against Spain was that 2010 wasn't it yeah but outside of that they've, they've never been able to get it to click but yeah Louis van Halen back in charge and yeah, okay. I think so you've got a van guy. Dijk is he Netherlands yeah he's in yeah. Netherlands so you know Virgil van Dijk um, there's a few Malasia the United uh, left back as well mm-hmm. um, that Ajax team a lot of Dutch players in there who who feature and there's quite a few at Barca now too so they'll be they'll be they'll be pretty good and tell you the other one you should not forget they were the finalists the beaten finalists last time around is Croatia yep. Luka Modric is still going really well he's Croatia. got some really good players around him as well um, and yeah. they are generally better than the some of their parts yeah and someone says uh, Chris has said last few World Cups there's a trend the defending champs don't make it out of their pool that's right mm. um, did Spain not make it out in 2014 I'm trying to think that no then. they didn't they got they got that's beaten. right they, the Dutch beat them that's right and so um, who else does Croatia have apart from Luka Modric uh, well there's Ante Rebic who's at um, AC Milan okay um, so he's a very good player. Even Perisic, who's now at um, Spurs mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main Inter Milan midfielder, um, Brozovic as well. So they've got... Oh, Brozovic. Yeah, so they, and they've, they're always um, they're always stacked. They've always got very good players, very good ball players. And, and a lot of them play in Italy in, the, in Serie A. Okay. So uh, here's a prediction uh, from you, Ricardo Ball. Uh, Golden Boot. Oh, Golden Boot, just because of how stacked the team is, they're going to share the goals around, I think, Brazil. So maybe not out of Brazil, but maybe Messi. Mm, interesting. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And uh, Golden Gloves, who's going who's gonna to be the keeper of the tournament? Well, that was where maybe you go to an Allison okay. for, 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 uh, for the Brazilians. I think they're not going to concede too many, and uh, I think they're going to be very hard to beat. All right. There you go, a little World Cup preview there for yeah. you. So when does it kick off? November, isn't it? First yeah. week of November? Uh, second week of November. Brilliant. Yeah, so All not live too far here. away. All live here, right here on SENZ. Uh, what are we, 19 away from four on Afternoons with Staffy. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? I'll tell you, shall I? Go on then. Do I just it. thought as well, uh, Ricardo, that we enjoyed your preview so much. We mm. quickly got you to run out and do some ads for us. <laughs> uh, and that's what you heard there during the ad break, previewing the World Cup. Um, did we talk about the Yankees? We haven't, have we? Oh, or did you I mention it before? It. I did you mention, mention it. it before. Yeah, yeah yes. they've won. And at uh, 20 points to 17, uh, Philadelphia leading the Cowboys. But you are getting a bit uh, squeaky bum time, Ricardo, well, after I did, making I, the big call. I did say at halftime when it was 20 to 3 that Philadelphia were effectively 6 and 0. Oh, 
now it's twenty to seventeen. Oh, with a shame on left. you. That's like that's like me and Samoa all over again. Um, <laughs> Couple of really weird stories for okay. your Monday. Sure. And um, interested to see if you appreciate them or whether you uh, roll your eyes and turn the chair around, which is uh, equally valid <laughs> um, reactions. Let's just start with a, a Californian baker. Mm. Um, and you, you're a Star Wars fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a big, fan, yeah, big yeah. Star Wars fan. Well, a Californian baker has crafted mm. a life size Han Solo out of bread. Yep, and it's the Han Solo in uh, you know frozen in, oh, the, in the um, carbonite. In the carbonite. Yeah. Um, the the story has all sorts of great uh, puns throughout. Like um, Han Solo may be a hunk, um, but Pan Solo is a hunk of bread. Um, <laughs> oh a bakery in San Francisco area. It's a 1.8 meter bread sculpture um, put together by Hanalee Pervin and her mother co-owners of the One House Bakery. Um, they spent weeks moulding, baking and assembling the life-size sculpture using wood and two types of dough, including a yeastless dough, a wow. yeastless dough with a higher sugar content that will last longer. Um, they're entering some sort of like bread sculpture awards. Um, and if you can find it on Google, um, it is actually quite clever what they've done. Yeah, okay. Han well, and bread. He could have eaten his way out though. Yeah, well, if it was, <laughs> you know, if it was true. He could have done. And, yeah, a bread mould. Um Surely, um, this one is this one concerns me on a number of levels, Ricardo. Yeah. Because the headline reads, "Man sold his ex, sorry, man sold his ex's mum's remains to pay for drugs." Authorities say <laughs> a 19-year-old has been accused by police of planning to buy heroin by selling part of his ex's mum's ashes. Who would buy that? On Tuesday, 11th of October, at around 11 uh, 10 p.m., Jackson Rutland's ex-girlfriend went out to visit her friend. She allegedly, uh, well, sorry, her boyfriend then allegedly called her at roughly 5.40am the next day, uh, admitting to have broken into her property. Um, when she got in and, and saw the property, apparently there were some ashes on the floor, so he had dropped the bit as he uh, oh, grabbed them off the uh, the mantelpiece. And um, it's unknown how much money he would have received uh, should or, he have sold the ashes. Who's going to buy ashes? A lot of questions. A lot of questions here, Ricardo. Firstly, uh, mm. you know, Jackson... Not that I endorse drug usage at all, mm. at all, or burglary or breaking in or anything. But if you're going to steal something from someone's house, yeah, why the ashes? Why T- are the ashes TV, the first you thing? You get more money for the TV. TV, jewelry, yeah, you know, kitchen appliances. I'd put up there ahead of the mum's ashes, ashes, right? Yeah, totally. Maybe it was the vase. I don't know. The second question is a very valid question from you. Does he think there's a market for this? Mm. Is there a market for used? I don't know if there's such thing as unused ashes, but <laughs> is there a market for ashes? You know, a black market for ashes. This does remind me of a story that Keith Richards told once in Go an on. interview, that he had his dad's ashes, mm-hmm. and um, he he was doing something with them. They were obviously transferring them from one urn into another or something, and he yep. spilt some. Dearie me. And uh, being Keith Richards, he just racked it into a line and snorted a line of his dad's ashes. That's dev- that's heavy. That's, that's, that's heavy. That's giving me um, meet the parents vibes when he smashes the, the vase. <laughs> I just think Jackson. There's some there's something else here in the story, and that's the excuse he's used. I yeah. think he's broken in to get something else. He's knocked over the ashes, yeah. and he's come up with that excuse. And finally, um, mm. something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, well, not for this person, but for us. Jonathan Serrano is a 13 year old from Montgomery, Texas, who found himself in the ER department over the weekend uh, because. He, I don't know how you do this, Mm. accidentally inhaled the plastic squeaker from a pet toy. 
Oh, like one of those yeah. Well, I can tell you what, Ricardo, I yeah. can show you because here it is in his voice box as he's trying to laugh on video. Ricardo, are you okay? <laughs> oh, that is so good. And that is just the kid laughing, and that's what's coming out. So wow. um, apparently it's been removed successfully, but of course um, he's gone viral on the internet, as yeah. you can well imagine. That wouldn't have been fun, having that removed. No, not at all. Um, and I always give out a fact to finish. Yep. And I give you a nice big juicy fact for you, Ricardo. Um, cargo ships, mm-hmm. container ships. Yeah. Did you know that the top 15 biggest cargo or container ships create more air pollution than all the cars in the world combined. I did not know that. 15 ships wow. uh, create more air pollution than all the cars in the world combined. That is crazy. That's remarkable. That is. I mean, how many cars are there? Like, like hundreds quite, of millions? Quite a few. Quite, yeah. a, few, quite, quite a, a few, few hundreds of millions? I was yeah. blown away. I was blown. Yeah, yeah. No, good. Uh, well, well researched. Wow, well researched. Yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah. sir. Thank you. Because I, I talked to... And so I'm going to drop a name here, but I talked to Bruce Dickinson, the singer from Iron Maiden. Okay, yeah. He's a pilot as well. Like, that's one of the things he does. He's got a, a, a company, an aeronautics company. And one of the things he was behind was trying to develop and sell, get people to buy into the idea of bringing back, um, what do you call them, zeppelins, right? Okay. So these modern day zeppelins, but they would work, they would replace container ships to an extent. Um, and the thing is that they can fly for two weeks without landing. Yep. Um, and you can land them anywhere. You can land them in the desert. You can land them on the ice. True. You can land them. And no, um, bl- no blocked canals. No, exactly. And though um, carbon neutral. Oh, I didn't know. I did not. Know. Is it helium they use in, yeah, in I think so. I think Zeppelins. Is this some sort of like the Iron Maiden have a rivalry with Led Zeppelin or something? Is this some sort of marketing <laughs> ploy? No, or? Nothing, okay. nothing like that okay. at all. No, completely, completely separate. This all is just right. a, a business venture that he has on the side. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, TBC on whether or not it's going to be successful, or, yeah. is it, or is it dead in the water now? Well, this was about five years ago, so mm, dead in the water. No pun intended. Yeah, indeed. As it were, as it were. Seven away from four here on SENZ. Back in the day, next. couple of minutes away from four o'clock here on SENZ Afternoons with Staff. Staff will be back for you tomorrow. A time, though, for a quick back in the day, October 17 and 1998. Mark Taylor equaled Sir Don Bradman's highest test score by an Australian, declaring at 334 not out in the second test against Pakistan. His declaration a noble gesture so as, a gesture, so as not to beat the uh, cricket icon's long-standing record. Also some birthdays today. Ernie Elds turning 53 today, the South African golfer. Anil Kumble, the Indian cricketer, turning 52. Kimi Raikkonen, the Finnish auto racer. Remember Kimi Raikkonen? The checkered flag for him as a winner. Kimi Raikkonen wins the US Grand Prix and breaks the record for the longest gap between race wins. It is victory for Ferrari. It is victory for Kimi and the strategy they got bang on this afternoon. Kimi Raikkonen, 43 today. Also another cricketer in uh, Muhammad Hafiz, Pakistani cricketer, is 42 today. Also in this day in 1968, the number one movie. This will be a Stephen McIver favourite, I guarantee you. Uh, Steve McQueen's Bullet. That was a, as an absolute classic Stephen McIver in On the Run Home today for Kirst. And the number one song back on this day in 1968 is this one. 
Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.